This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Happy Tuesday to you. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side, along with Terry and Jeff, the gang. We're gathered and we're ready for an awesome day. It's going to be a good one. I can already feel because, yes, it is the state of the unium. Why does that make it good? It's the state of the unium. As a child, I dreaded this day. This was the day all television would stop. TV was messed up all night. Yep. You can't fix it. That's why you had to get your fun shows in like Chips, yeah, Andy Griffiths. Get mm-hmm. those in early. Then all of a sudden cable took off. I'm like, wow, there's other channels and they're not paying attention to this. Except it also made it so there's 15 channels that cover the State of the Union. Yeah. And it so is. You, yeah. Go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you just you flip around. You're like, so we could do the network to you. Everyone pretty much has yeah, access let to the those. networks. Mm-hmm. Do that. Why does everyone have to cover it? And it, it's it's amazing how they're even doing a countdown for the State of the Union. Oh, Every hour on the hour. But, but it's important. It's the yeah. president of the free world. But they don't even they don't even want to wait until the actual speech. They even want to do a cut of the rehearsal. The United States. There you go. It's not going so well so far. Apparently his Sudafed needs to He's high. sleeping. It's, he's very they, They've said the there's morning. no new policy that's going to be announced. Well, it doesn't matter. Well, it's it's the, like the, it's the, the president. The importance of it all. It's like really The bigger thing is that there some poor printer Printed the State of the Union tickets and misspelled Union, and it's Unium. See, I saw State the, of the Union. I saw the headline saying the tickets were misprinted, and I didn't even have heart enough to click on it to figure out what word it's was un- spelled wrong. It's, it's just one word, but oh, that's just that thing that you'll you know everybody's done that. You've right. made uh, you've had a typo that was seen by everybody yeah. in the free world, and then most people forget about it except for that one guy. Yeah, the guy. always brings right. it up. Maybe yeah. you could shed some light on this. Why what? is it that we are so obsessed with jumping on the mistakes of other people? Because we we want to hold them down. It's a superiority complex. Yeah, I'm because the Democrats never misspell anything. So do we want to hold them down, or Colm do we? Fifi. Are there President uh, Trump's had many errors? Do we feel like we have our own shortcomings? We're yeah. trying to compensate for oh, yeah. that. Oh yeah. But we like we, – we always notice the errors, right? That's the human nature because you make errors. Mm, yeah, I didn't, I didn't make that error. Hmm. It's hard. But that error probably – that error probably has very little to do with the president of the United States. Right. But because it's his address. And that's a souvenir the, from it, I guess. Yeah. 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 All the Late Show Talks guys are talking about it. It's just sad. It's just a state of a union. It's not that big of a deal. See, now he's going to say it. You what? know how when you tell yourself, okay, I can't make that mistake. I can't oh, make that yeah. mistake. And then you make that mistake. Uh-huh. Now he's going to say, he's going to keep, welcome to the state of the union. Boy, wouldn't that be funny? I think he's, I think he's already got it written. Well, uh, no, no, not what's him. What's his name? Steve, Stephen Miller. Stephen Miller. wrote it for him. But it's great. And they go over it today. Uh-huh. That's what he'll do in executive time, and he'll nail it. He always really? does a good job. Uh, in, in executive time, that's his time where he's not president. Well, yeah, but he's got you know he's got a little homework today just because the big speech. Mm-hmm. Tell me how intimidating too to know you're going to walk into a hall where half the people don't like you at all. 
Half? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess if you're saying the Republicans don't like him. There's a few Republicans that are like, hmm. But he's we could have done better. He's 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 it's got to be a very intimidating day for the first time. Right. The first time you do this is intimidating. Well, he spoke to a joint session of Congress right after he was elected. Yeah. But I think that this is different, isn't it? It's kind of the same thing. This is bigger because this is where some of the Supreme Court justices should be there. Well, and some won't. Yeah. Are these scheduled or do they come up as on an as needed basis? Every year. I think January. No, no, the Hmm. State of the Union's every year. Yeah. It's a – I'm not sure if it's a like like a uh, part of the Constitution where the president has to come and report or whatever, but it's a something that's always done. It's kind of – it seems like we could do without it and have the same – like we wouldn't lose anything for not having it other than there's this tradition. Oh, but right? no. Because but the president has yeah. such access to be able to talk at all times, right? How, how frequently did uh, – was it uh, – Roosevelt that did the fireside chats? Yeah. How frequently did that happen? I'm not sure. I don't know. There's enough that people talk about it. Yeah. It's still a big deal. But now with so much access, it's like we already we already know most of what he's going to talk about. But it's not like he's, we and, always and, do. We well, always know well, what they were going right. to say. They also leaked this before, so you get kind of a heads up like, ooh, there's going to be Plus a Plus there's thing the positioning of, of – who are they? Who are they going to have? You know, sitting next to the first lady yes, or and the special guests? All the special guests, so they can have a moment where the president yeah. addresses somebody and it's politics as usual. Um, but again, this is this is a special one because this is President Trump's first, maybe of eight of these. And <laughs> what? Hey, why is that? Why did you push that? Hey. It's the audience. The studio audience it's laughed a genuine at that. response. That's interesting. It was really delayed. Well, you know, it's early. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I wish him the best of luck. It's, I, again, right. as a guy that speaks a lot, it's intimidating. And you have to walk in. Uh, what, is, what does the guy yell out? Speaker, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker. Yeah. The, the president, president of the United, United States. States. And then he shakes people's <laughs> hands as people are diving over each other to get over there to yeah. shake his hand. Yeah. That's fine. People, I've, I've, uh, people like uh, members of Congress will get in line so they can sit along that row. Yeah, they want to be those. one of the first seats right there so they can reach yeah. over and shake. Well, a you hand. want your, you want your people to see how in you are. Right, you're so in that you were able to get in line early. Yeah. Which is another weird thing that you're so eager to be there to shake the president's hand. Meanwhile, you're thinking, I hate your guts. <laughs> they don't hate. This is, this is just politics. It's a game. Anyway, um, the uh, lots of lots of crazy news going on too with the um, Mueller investigation. Oh yeah, and the FBI, uh, the an exit of a controversial big dog in the FBI. Let's get to the headlines with Terry. What should uh, what should we know about this FBI departure? Uh, so President Trump made an unusual request to former FBI Director uh, Andrew McCabe, who stepped down yesterday. He's yeah. the as it says, Deppy was the number two guy at the FBI. Very controversial, but probably shouldn't have been. I mean, his his wife ran for a Democratic office. Right. Now, this was interesting. So during this phone call last year, NBC News reported Monday, apparently lice, uh, uh, incensed by the image of James Comey boarding an FBI plane the day after Trump fired him as FBI director, Trump called McCabe then the acting director of the Bureau, to d- express his outrage, NBC News reports. And McCabe told the president that... Though he had not greenlit Comey's flight, if anyone had asked, I would have approved it. 
NBC News, this is their report, the, uh, that prompted Trump to be silent for a moment, NBC News says, before he turned to insulting McCabe's wife, telling McCabe to ask his wife how it feels to be a loser. Oh, wow. McCabe reportedly replied rather neutrally saying, okay, sir. Okay, then, I'll then ask her. the president hung up the phone. McCabe's wife, Jill, was, as you said, ran for Senate in uh, Virginia 2015, losing her bid. An unnamed White House official denied this ever happened. Part of that was because she took a $500 donation from a person who is a friend of Hillary Clinton. Yeah. If you say how well, that works. So that means, yeah. and Trump has said multiple times that, that this McCabe guy basically took money from Hillary Clinton. Well, but, hold you know. on, hold on. Let me get this straight. This, yeah, is, this is the same president, Trump, that actually donated to Hillary Clinton. Absolutely. Okay. So he's mad that McCabe's wife yeah. took money from a friend of Hillary Clinton, but yeah. Donald Trump actually donated to Hillary Clinton. Yes. And Mr. Clinton. He's been railing on oh, wow. the number two guy at the FBI for quite a while, sure. telling the guy that's the head of the FBI now to fire this guy. This is and- actually I mean, amazing thing, really, that he's a career FBI guy, and because he's in the way, even though I think the FBI leaders are like, we're fine with you, but right. he's like, I got to get out of here. Well, he's gonna. He was retiring next month, anyways. Oh, was he? So if he leaves five weeks early. He's like, I don't need well, to deal with this anymore. Now he's gonna go work security for some yeah top level a storage facility. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Be the gate guard. <laughs> Good. Other news: Twelve minutes before midnight deadline on Monday, the Treasury Department released a list of 114 Russian politicians, 96 billionaire oligarchs who have prospered yeah. enormously under Russian President Vladimir Putin. More than 18 years after his 18 years in power, Congress demanded that Trump administration release the list by the end of Monday as part of the legislation that passed last year with veto-proof majorities uh, in Congress and punishment for Russia's meddling in the 2016 election. It was one of the few things that there was, like, strong bipartisan support. Really? There was, like, five people that voted against it in all of Congress. Earlier Monday, the State Department said that the Trump administration would not actually punish anyone right now under the sanctions. The list intends to name and shame Russia's political and economic elite, including just about everyone who has flourished under Putin, including government officials, the head of Russia's top intelligence agencies, cabinet ministers, and the CEO of uh, CEOs of state energy giant Rosneft and other top Russian state companies. So wow. just the who's who of money and power in Russia are on this list, it seems like. And yesterday, Russia came out and said, because of this list, the list they're accusing the U.S. of meddling in their elections. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Kind of a flip of the script there a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the Trump administration announced Monday it would resume admitting refugees from 11 high-risk countries after a 90-day security review. But uh, refugees from those countries will now face additional security measures. Homeland Security Secretary said refugees will face risk-based assessments before being granted entry, stressing that these additional security measures will make it hard for bad actors to exploit our refugee program. Huh. So the the, the 90-day ban is over, they've reviewed it, and they're letting them back in, but they get more scrutiny. Yeah. Right now it takes two years to get into the country through the vetting process that's going on now. Right. Now they're going to add more to that. To make the process even longer. To, to, to get, get in the country. To get in legally? Yes. I mean, I guess you just then do it illegally. I guess. You can just walk across the border still. We still need a wall, right? So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Um, finally, they're making a Mr. Rogers movie, and uh, Tom Hanks will be Mr. Rogers. Really? Yeah. Does that... That doesn't seem to fit. 
Actually, a lot of people say it does seem to fit because he's he's like America's most liked actor, and you're going to have with America's most liked friend of childhood TV. Mm. Maybe there's a match. So Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers. It's a beautiful day. Yeah, in the neighborhood. So there's. Have you heard of this memo? Which memo? There's a secret memo. <gasps> really? Yes. A House committee created a secret memo. Okay. Putting together, accusing the FBI and the Department of Justice of improprieties. Really? And where where, se- did, where and is a, that memo? Well, the memo, they voted yesterday to release the memo. Okay. Now President Trump has five days to either block the memo or allow it to go public. Okay. Yeah. It's a memo. We, uh, You know what? We need a secret memo. Do we need secret memos? We haven't had enough memos. We've had plenty of memos that have been forwarded to everybody in the company here. Yeah, those aren't secret, though. So the House Intelligence Committee uh, voted Monday to release the explosive memo, as it's being called, by the FBI agents investigating Russia and the Trump campaign. The panel uh, senior Democrats said, according to the majority, the FBI is under investigation and the Department of Justice. Representative Adam Schiff told reporters after the vote, uh, he said Republicans voted to release their memo but not release a report by the Democrats on the same subject. Oh. Just the politics one side. Again. again, politics. Yeah. Um, they say, uh, he goes, uh, he goes. I moved if the majority were going to release their memo, they released the minority view as well, that they be released jointly. The, he said Republicans vote a partisan move designed to hamper the Russian investigation. The memo will likely not be released for several days. Blah, blah, blah. Goes on from there. Um, so it's a three and a half page document. It's it, too long. Yes. It just keeps going and going. This Secret, is, This has been raging for... I guess, weeks yeah. in certain media circles. Um, the Democrats say it's uh, you sort of the Republicans cherry picked pieces of information to fit a narrative. Right. And so it's like, OK, so what's in the memo? The New York Times says that uh, it accuses uh, Deputy Attorney General J. Uh, Rod J. Rosenstein. Right. So you have you have Jeff Sessions. Yeah. And his number two. They call him A-Rod. Who is a Trump appointee, right? right? Trump appointed this guy. Yeah. And by the way, this is the guy that appointed Mueller. Right. Which hasn't gone. And then, and then drafted the document to fire Mueller. Yeah. That's what Rosen. That's what how he's involved in all this is Rosenstein guy. Okay. The renewal. Uh, so what he did was he approved an application to extend surveillance of a former Trump campaign associate shortly after taking office last spring, according to three people familiar with it. Right. So the Obama administration saw this guy, his name's Carter Page, yeah. making a lot of contact with some Russians. So they decided to put him under surveillance. When the new administration came in, Rosenstein looked at it and went, yeah, we better continue this surveillance. That's he's, it. He's the traitor. Well, but he was appointed by Trump. He's his Trump's yeah. guy, but he's the traitor yeah. for extending this surveillance. This shows that there's a deep state and the FBI is trying to take down the oh, president wow. of the United States. Wow. And it's why the president has been quoted by sources yeah. as saying, why are my guys at the uh, Department of Justice not doing my job? The Trump Department of Justice, why won't they just do what I tell them to? And the people have to explain that it's an independent yeah, body and they need that to way. follow yeah. through with investigations. Uh, so the memo's primary contention is that the FBI and the Justice Department officials failed to adequately explain to an intelligence court judge in initially seeking a warrant for surveillance of Mr. Page that they were relying in part on research by an investigator, Christopher Steele, who mm. was part of that whole yeah. dossier, right? This is going to go nowhere. But then it's uh, too confusing. As we know, the FBI already knew most of what was in the dossier mm-hmm. because of Papadopoulos 
who has pled guilty to lying to the FBI. Okay, so where does Hillary Clinton fit into this? She's in there somewhere. There's some that emails. She always... There's some email investing. I know that the guy that uh, – I forgot his name already. McCabe that uh, quit yeah. yesterday, he's involved in the email investigation too. And so they – Wow. If you look up Rod Rosenstein for his Wikipedia page, the, the little uh, preview it gives you on Google, it yeah. says – Rod Rosenstein's a traitor and should be, you know, someone in and messed with his Wikipedia. And then you go into the actual page and it's it's clean. They, yeah, someone they fixed it, it up. But it's just funny. So there's this uh, web and all, yeah. the whole point is to cause confusion and distrust in any investigation into the current presidency. So it's it's the it's the ballast. It's the balancing counter to the actual FBI investigation of the president. Yes. It's the, the attempt. Yeah. It's, so by the time it actually comes out, everyone's tired of it or just dismisses it entirely and we yeah. just move on. The Trump Justice Department warned that the classified memos released would be extraordinarily reckless and that they should review it to make sure it doesn't run into any current investigations that are going on. And the, Well, how would the Trump, how would the Trump administration know? Oh, you're, not, you're talking about like the Justice Department. So the memo would, is from would, the, the House Intelligence Committee. Yeah. Right, but I'm saying right, and they're not sharing the info with the Justice Department, right? And the Justice Department saying if you release this and it, it it could expose investigations that are ongoing, we need to see this to make sure there's no problems. <laughs> and the House says you're corrupted, Trump appointees. Yeah. We can't do this. We can't give it to you. But and we but the the FBI works for the Justice Department. Yeah, except it's part of it. The FBI is corrupt, except the congressional reviewers aren't saying they're corrupt. They're just saying no. They're fighting for the freedom and democracy, right. yeah. and they won't release. This the, is a tangled web. The, that's it's the the whole. I've I've ignored it because it's yeah. so complicated. But when it came down to accusing their own person that they put into right. office of being a traitor. Right. So now we're just attacking ourselves. It seems yeah. like in it's, that situation, that's what cancers do. Okay. Cancers eventually turn on themselves. Wow. This, the this faster is, cancer grows, the this, faster cancer the deep, dies. The deep state's very deep. It's way deep. It's everywhere. And um, if you notice, the, the actual swamp hasn't been drained. I think no. they're having a hard time finding the drain. Where's the plug? Isn't it at the bottom? That's Do where they the, usually is keep it, it? Maybe, it's not, maybe it's in the Republican part of the pool, or oh. is it in the Democrats part of the pool? Wow. It's weird. <laughs> Got to drain it. Um, by the way, uh, Tom Hanks will be Mr. Rogers, as I said. I There's some happy note. That's news great there. news. If you Won't, like Tom Hanks, that's great news. Won't you be my neighbor? <laughs> Can you see him in a sweater? Asking you to tie your shoes. It just doesn't. He seems a little bigger, thicker. Well, sure. Can't it, you see him playing with those puppets? Meow, meow, meow. Wow. What that was, was that? That was Henrietta Pussycat. Wow. Somebody needs to let the cat out. Hey, up next, we're going to be talking about social media and clickbait. What responsibility do the uh, social media providers have to clean up the social uh, world, to stop polluting our media? Interesting guest up next to talk about that. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio.
Social media companies create a lot of money from connecting people and encouraging global conversations. But certain people have found a way to exploit these forums that weaken shared norms of trust and openness. Here to speak with us today about the relationship between uh, social media and the responsibility that social media companies have with their customers and uh, the actual I think community at large is uh, Barbara Romsek. She's a professor of public administration and policy at American University and the author of, a, of an article uh, titled Social Media Companies Should Ditch Clickbait and Compete Over Trustworthiness. Barbara, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. We all see it, right? We we see over and over these arguments, even in Congress, um, about about the responsibility of these social media companies, and we see the clickbait that kind of draws us into a false story, and we hear the screams of fake news. But in your article, you're you're basically claiming that these social media companies they need they have a big responsibility to to eliminate some of this social confusion or or social waste that uh, we all have to deal with. Uh, yes, uh, the issues for these corporations are broader than what they have been living by thus far. Uh, They are accountable to their uh, stockholders and their boards of directors, as is normal for any corporation. But what they've lost sight of is that they also have stakeholders, Hmm. and those are the American public, their customers, uh, and they have ignored the interests of the stakeholders, in pursuit of the benefits for their stockholders. And the way it's played out is that the the negative consequences of the uh, clickbait, of the fake news, of the Russian disinformation uh, campaign that we, we saw so much of in the last year, is that it undermines our social norms for open discourse, our social norms for uh, exchange of ideas, Essentially, it undermines our democratic context, which they need as corporations to thrive. Right. And they make big, big money doing it. Absolutely. Their business model is based on uh, collecting customers' data and selling it to advertisers. Mm. They, they are some of the most, uh, the most successful uh, corporations uh, on the globe. Yeah, and uh, they they hold significant sway economically. What we are discovering is they also hold significant sway on our social norms, on our political mm. culture, and they have been undermining those norms and that political culture. And they they have, and we won't get into it because none of us know it or understand it. They have these algorithms behind the the machinate, the machine of all of this mm-hmm. that that um, that basically identify how they will deliver content, how they will get information to people. None of us know that, so they keep that proprietary. Now, are you are you suggesting they open that up more? Um, no. What do you suggest? No, it's uh, under, it's understood that's their proprietary information. But what they have to do is be more responsible in the use and the design of those algorithms mm. uh, so that they don't uh, continue to feed the, the bubble process of you, people only hear like-minded ideas so that they, are, they, can, they can adapt those algorithms so that people are exposed to more information, 
that's broader than just the other people who think exactly like them. They can uh, introduce greater efforts to verify who's actually posting, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or uh, putting Google information up on Google, that they have to figure out ways uh, that they can stop the fake news. Their algorithms have to figure out whether people are legitimate posters or they're bots. Mm. Uh, They have to figure out um, whether the information being posted is credible or not. Now, I'm not saying they should be the arbiters of the news. Right. Uh, that's, not what, that's not the case. What they should be is arbiters of who gets to post uh, on their website and that the algorithms don't allow uh, terrorist organizations to have their small little circles where they can communicate and nobody else knows about it, uh, That where they have uh, these the opportunity for bots to from the Russian uh, bot farms to sow discord by posting media that purposely inflames what uh, are the divisions in our society already. Yeah. Is, um, and the funny thing about this is they, they also even worked with candidates and presidential. I mean, they, they send representatives to help be consultants yes. to our candidates. And then, but which is weird because I'm assuming a consultant from Google would have extra special access to um, to the back end algorithms than maybe the average person would. It, I mean, do you think they ought to be that deeply involved in politics? Um, uh, I would like them to have a little more of a hands off, but the reality is they are businesses. Yeah, and yeah. we can't tell them who their customers are. Yeah. So what they need to do is to be providing the kind of information that uh, doesn't undermine the democratic process that they need to thrive. If, if if they've been trying to get into China and they can't because China is a closed society and China regulates the internet. Huh. If they undermine democracy, they're going to find the same problems. They're going to find people saying. You can't do this. You can't do that. We're going to control thus and such. And we've already seen uh, in Europe, Europe has taken the tack that these companies are too big and have been wielding their power in ways that disadvantage the public. And so uh, uh, Google just had a huge fine uh, from the European Union, and there is now legislation uh, called the general data protection regulation Mm. in EU that says if you, uh, Google was found guilty of favoring its own sites over other uh, sites uh, not posted on the Google platform when there was a Google search. So somebody says, tell me what you can tell me about uh, uh, this particular medication. And so then they would go search for this medication on the website, as so many people do, tell yeah. me more. And they would show the sites that were post, that were housed on the Google site got preferential posting over the others. And we all see this when we, cl- when we look for something on Google, the first page is all ads. 
if you don't look carefully at the lines, the first page that shows up is almost right. all some advertisement for if it's medicine, that particular medicine. If it's shoes, you see a bunch of ads for people who sell shoes, even though if you're going to look for how do you decide what a good fit is? You don't really, you're not trying to buy something, you're trying to understand. But the ads come up first. Right. In fact, it's interesting that, in a way, these companies, they were always seen as kind of benign, nice partners to humanity, helping us just be able to search the Internet or be able to connect more with our friends. And then, you know, that was, I guess, before they were all had these for-profit models. Once they started making money... We now start to see them in maybe a different light, and even that they have a different responsibility. I mean, I'm assuming 10 years ago, we didn't know what impact social media was having, but now we're actually demanding that they that they have a better discourse for us and and do more to elevate our conversation. Absolutely, and we're discovering there are there are all sorts of problems with tech, this technology. Uh, it it allows opportunities for communication with terrorist groups, and mm. this was a problem with YouTube and its videos. And they're addressing that, but there's still more to be done. That it corrodes our democratic norms. The people, the addictive capacity of the, these programs, that they are designed for, to want to have people come back for the second time around. But most importantly, it's the the social pollution, the pollution of our, our social discourse, the pollution of our civic culture. It, you know, we expect when an oil company has an oil spill, we expect them to clean it up. Right. There's a corporate responsibility for the bad impacts you have on, in this case, the environment. And social media companies need to be held accountable for the social impact of the negative impacts on society due to the misuse of their platform. Yeah. Do you see, Barbara, again, we're speaking with Barbara Romsek, who is a professor of public administration and policy at American University. Um, Do you see some companies that are stepping up, that are doing a a good job of at least uh, um, policing themselves? Well, they're trying. Um, it, they, uh, Facebook, Google, uh, Twitter, YouTube, they've all had their problems. And each one has been reluctant to say it's our fault. Almost always the, the first answer is, well, we can't be responsible for how people use our platform. That all we are is a platform company. Right. And uh, they've finally come around. There have been such egregious problems with, uh, you know, the uh, uh, violations of individual privacy on the web, uh, revenge porn, uh, posting of suicide videos on YouTube, uh, the Russian bots uh, on Facebook and uh, the like, and Google's uh, data uh, violations, Uber's data breach. I mean, you can just go on and on and on. They have now come to realize there's a, they, they've got problems. They're just beginning to propose strategies. Maybe they've been talking about this for six months, but it's just now they are engaged in a public uh, communications campaign. I'm probably just media relations, where they're trying to explain to the public now, we we get it. We're trying something, and so Facebook is 
announced that it's going to put up a page that will identify who has uh, bought what ads, hmm. uh, and that they're going to have little pop-ups on an ad that says this was paid for by. Now, you've got to track back uh, who that is, and this is where the media will come in to to oversee it, yeah. Important role because you'll get some energetic uh, investigative reporter who'll go on the site and track down who these sources really are. Because, as you know, with political campaigns, the names of who paid for this ad are completely opaque. Right. I mean, who are the Americans for X, Y, Z? And we found in the last uh, election, some of those were Russians. <laughs> that they had names that sounded like they were American uh, interest groups, but in fact they were just Russian bot farms. So is that the transparency you're asking for? Um, I mean, you're not saying go open up your, uh, you know, the back-end tools of your company so we see all your trade secrets. You're just saying let us know who's actually advertising. It's almost, yeah, like what, it's almost like labeling of foods. We just, you just want to know what's in each, uh, each news piece. Well, it's not just news. We need to know how, that they need more transparency so they can be held accountable for the, for the impacts of their programs. Mm. So we need information on how they operate, how they handle data, the data privacy issue yeah. is, is as big a concern as the meddling in the election and the erosion of civic culture. Uh, you know, remember, there's this sort of famous characterization of what happens on the uh, social media. If you're not paying for it, you're not the customer, you're the product. Yeah, you're being so, sold. Yeah. yeah. Our information is being sold to advertisers. And that's why you can't delete anything. And once it's up on the web, you can't get it off mm-hmm. because they're storing it so they can use it for their research purposes. So we need to know how they handle data privacy. Uh, how, do, how can we be sure that the information they have isn't being sold in, or the parts of information they have of us isn't being sold to people in ways we would choose not to? Yeah. And this is where the European Union is ahead of the United States in that there now is a right to be forgotten in in the EU where you can – they don't make it easy, but you can get information that's on the web removed. Wow. Uh, you, you, have to, you, you have to go through a process, but uh, you can request uh, a digital copies of your personal information that a company collects. And you can uh, you can petition that you know something you know, an indiscretion when you were 15 years old, uh, or, or maybe something that you did when you were 30 and you'd like the you, you'd like the world to forget. Uh, there are ways you can petition for that to happen. That's not true in the United States. Hmm. So yeah. how they use data, and then how they uh, how the way their algorithms work have negative impacts on uh, the, the civil society. So it's not that their algorithm, that they need to reveal how their algorithms work, but they need to apply their ex- incredible talent to figuring out ways that those algorithms don't allow for the erosion of our civic culture. I think they're smart enough to do it. I do but too. But they yeah. haven't accepted social responsibility as one of their uh, missions. It's interesting, and it's um, – yeah, they've been able to kind of hide behind 
just the fact that we're just a platform. Right. But in the end, um, I guess every corporation has to accept some. But I guess this is what has to happen. We have to force their hand, maybe like we did an oil company after a spill or, you know, a pharmaceutical company with a drug that wasn't appropriate or healthy. We, yeah. we, we We have to put pressure on them, it sounds like. Well, yes, and they have to step up and say, we get it. We're, you know, they're smart people. Yeah. They need to be smart people who uh, recognize that they have a more complicated responsibility to, than just to make money for their stockholders. Yeah. No, I uh, so appreciate that. And I, and I think um, just your conversation, I think, is helping us to elevate that in our mindset. They have a responsibility and we can't just sit back and say we're their victims. We have to, at some point, push on them a little bit like you're, like you're suggesting. Dr. Uh, Barbara Romsek, thank you so much for your time, your insight. Again, uh, Barbara is a professor of public administration and policy in the School of Public Affairs at American University in Washington, D.C., and we appreciate her, uh, her insight on the subject. We will continue uh, discussing how we can be the good in the world. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the program. Dr. Matt here, and uh, along with Terry and Jeff. Boy, crazy numbers. Um, they, they've done a study out of the USC Annenberg Center for Digital Future, mm. and they found that, on average, the average home usage of the Internet is 17.6 hours a week. Seems low. It does seem low. Back in 2000, the average was 3.3 hours a week. Now, just 17, 18 years later, we are up to 23.6 hours a week in 2017. Closer, but still low. So that includes streaming. It should. Streaming, um, uh, social media, I guess. Games. Gaming. Um, but, I mean, the and then f- the ultimate waste of time, YouTube watching <laughs> cat videos. Or Ant-Man trailers that just released and I've been watching it. Really? Yeah. Hmm. They throw a Pez dispenser. It's pretty cool. Did you know that in 2010, the people who use their phones to get the internet was has jumped from 23% in 2010 to 84% today? This also follows the trend line of the internet speeds have gotten faster. Yeah. More quality, so it makes it better to use these devices, so you use them more. Yeah. Have you used the internet at my house? Because things are not faster at my house. That well, is for darn sure. You, you They're probably to, faster than 10 years ago. You need to pedal mm. that. You need to pedal faster. It's like, I question that. Yeah. You just pedal. It goes a lot faster. So we're using the internet a lot more, and Facebook, I guess, is part of that as well. So Facebook is trying to change their ways because, you know, they they first said they weren't evil, and eh, maybe a little bit, and so they're trying to, you know, fix it. <laughs> Facebook says it's bringing you more local news stories to your news feed, even if you didn't ask them to. 
<laughs> Starting today, we're going to show more stories from news sources in your local town or city, says Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO. He said in a post announcing the change. Uh, the change means that people who follow a local news publication will see more stories from that publication. I've already seen that. And that people who don't follow local news outlet will see more from local publications. Also, if people in their network are, are sharing those stories. I've seen that. Huh. Both annoying. Uh, Zuckerberg said the move is at least partly the result of the self-guided tour of the U.S. he conducted last year. Many people told me that if we could just turn down the temperature on the more divisive issues and instead focus on concrete local issues, then we'd all make more prog- progress together. All politics is local. So you're going to do that with local TV news? Yeah. How does that make any sense? Because they, they put out stories about the national problems that people are trying not to focus on, apparently. Yeah. But that's the problem is everyone would pass a thing about Trump and some <laughs> would be anti-Trump and some pro-Trump. And that may not be coming from your local news. It doesn't mind. Our- well, it's coming from fake news, right? It's clickbait stuff. Well, that stuff, the yeah. stuff we were just talking about, all the clickbait, correct. The polarized. But the actual like announcements from the White House and those sort of yeah. things, maybe if you don't want to see those – and that's kind of what he's talking about is turn down the temperature, yeah. not so much of that kind of content, and it still comes through the local Plus, you could always, as we talked about on the show, you could always move to Canada. Oh, yeah. That's a great point. They have Facebook there, too. Oh, they do? Yeah. They would be happy to have us, though. It's a good place. Um, any other news a on few, Facebook? A few months ago, they had a uh, messenger app. Facebook said they're putting out a messenger yeah. app for kids. Uh-huh. Yeah. Is that a good idea? Eh, people were a little que- – they questioned it. They yeah. seemed like, why are you going after kids? Why, why are you trying – are you trying to get them addicted to the service before they can actually – because there's an age limit. Yeah. That it's like 12, 13 before you can actually get a Facebook account. Right. So you, this is for kids before that. So how would they get the account? Their parent – well, they, it piggybacks onto their parents' account. So they don't actually have an account. It's like a little side off of their parents' account, and their parents ah. can monitor. It says, so child development experts and advocates are urging Facebook to pull the plug on its new messaging app, this out of the uh, Associated Press. A group letter sent to Mark Zuckerberg, CEO of Facebook, argues that younger children, to younger children, the app is intended for those under 13. They aren't ready to have social media accounts, navigate the complexities of online relationships, and protect their own privacy. Hmm. Facebook launched the free Messenger Kids app in December, pitching it as a way for children to chat with family members and parent-approved friends. It doesn't give kids separate Facebook or Messenger accounts. Rather, the app works as an extension of the parent's account, with parents get uh, control of such as the ability to decide who their kids can and cannot talk to. Do you even like the adult Facebook Messenger app? I don't even have it on my phone. I don't even use it. I do. Don't like it. Really? No. I probably check that more than Facebook itself. Do Just because I get a message. That's when Facebook concerns me. Other yeah. than that, it doesn't concern me. I, I, I figure the, the people that really need to get me have my phone number so they can right. text or make a phone call. And if you need to Facebook message me, I'll get it if I turn on my computer. I'll get yeah. it eventually. So I don't know that I like that they want to target my kids. So the letter signed by psychiatrists, pediatricians, and educators uh, and then some children music singer. I'm not sure. And some guy named about. Lenny. No, it says Ra- Rafi. <laughs> Kavukian? Kavu- Kavor- Kavorkian? It's not Kavorkian. Whoa. It's not Kavorkian. That, that'd be a weird cousins. twist if Kavorkian <laughs> was involved. Uh, Messenger Kids is not responding to a need. It is creating one. It appeals primarily to children who otherwise would not have their own social media accounts. Mm. 
Facebook's response is the app helps parents and children to chat in a safer way. Parents are always in control. There's no advertising in the app. Yeah. So they didn't really address the concerns. <laughs> well, maybe, yeah, maybe they didn't hear about it on his tour of the country. Probably. But do you know what he's, you know what his, he had, that, uh, the tour of the country was his 2016 goal for the year was to visit every state. That was Mark Zuckerberg's yeah. goal. The, the years before he'd learned Mandarin. That's a good goal. Right. And then yeah. he went over there and he spoke in front of a conference. Wow. It seems like it would take more than a year to learn well, Mandarin. Apparently he's skilled. Very gifted. Um, this year, do you hear what his goal was for this, this year? Uh, a six pack. Fix Facebook. <laughs> Oh, that's a good goal. Which you think would be his job. He is the CEO. It's pretty lofty. That sounds like his professional goal. So that's why there's been all these uh, uh, announcements of we're going to tweak the algorithm. You're not going to see so much, only, you know, more about your family and local news. And we're trying to, you know, make it so you don't hate us. You can spend (laughs) more money on our service. But what's great is they know that apparently they at least now know it's broken. Hmm. At first, they wouldn't admit. Now that they're saying, "Yeah, we got to fix it. You don't have to fix something that's not broken." Well, eh, there's been some uh, lawsuits, maybe some federal regulation threatened, and yeah, they Ooh. changed their uh, their tune. Can and that be my goal for 2018? I'm going to do my job. <laughs> oh, that would be the greatest thing yeah. ever. Wouldn't that be great? If he did his job. Yeah. Okay. Wow! Oh my heavens! You're I just got the monster. I just got the chills. So you're going to see more local news, <laughs> okay. and maybe the kids app isn't for you. Yeah, I don't think it is. Or your kids? My kids are 12, and we've not. You know, they've already got a Facebook account. Don't ask how. <laughs> we have this to get them their account. Hey, folks! Uh, we will continue the journey up next. A little coach's corner. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. coach would have put me in fourth quarter we'd have been state champions because life doesn't come with a handbook you need a coach here's dr matt and his coaching corner Play ball. welcome back you know as we talk about social media and uh, click baiting and all of these wonderful topics I, I think in the end we we have to make sure that we understand that a you're part of a bigger community when you are involved in these things uh, and so not only the Facebook and, and or Facebook and Twitter and all these bigger companies, they, they need to see that they have a community responsibility. And I think they do, which is why they're making some of these adjustments. But we as users also need to remember that what we are posting is elevating the game or deflating the game of others. Um, so just look at your own self. And, and if you had to grade yourself as well as far as how effective you are – at creating a safe community for everyone else, what grade would you get? And does it matter to you if you create a safe, healthy community for everyone that sees your Facebook feed? Um, because if it doesn't matter to you, then you, you, you probably ought to quit complaining about what these corporations are doing to you. We all have a responsibility, whether we are a corporation or just an individual we all have some impact on those people around us. And I've seen it. You've seen it. These exhausting posts by others that um, are that bring you down, that make you frustrated, that make you want to somehow either delete them or get them off of your feed. And um, I think when it comes down to it, if all of us just paid a little more attention to the impact we have on others, we might truly help. We might engage 
a more positive uh, experience with those around us. Um, anyway, it's I, I think if we're not thinking about it, we probably shouldn't expect and rely on everyone else to be thinking about it. So let's all do a little bit more this uh, week to improve our own social media engagement. Turn off your feed if it's not positive for you. Look at it less. You don't have to go to it as much as you do. Anyway, some basic ideas from Dr. Matt, your coach, your guide on the side. We'll continue the show uh, after this break. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the program. Dr. Matt here along with Jeff and Terry. And uh, we're gathered. we got a great show prepared for you today as well. Um, so much to cover, including these, uh, the State of the Union or unium, depending on where you're uh, finding your information. What do you hope to hear tonight, Matt? I hope to hear nothing but love and peace, uh, maybe an apology for no. Um, no. some of the disparaging comments about other countries, third world countries. No. You think an apology is forthcoming? No. Hmm. That's but just it's what, what he like hopes to hear. To hear yes. Oh, I see. I think we will hear a lot about the economy. I think we'll hear about a lot about the fact that there has been... Uh, a, a lot of jobs created, a lot of money coming back to America because of a tax plan. We'll hear about all of his accomplishments. Do you think there will be a stroking of his ego? I think that's pretty much what this is about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I think it's what, it, it's what it's about with every president. What oh, will yeah. be interesting is, do you remember there was uh, a GOP congressman, I believe, who made a that booed President Barack Obama? Yes. And what will be interesting is if anybody boos the president, right, mm. and screams something out. He called President Obama a liar. Liar. That's, that's it. it. He, he yelled was liar. liar. Was like, Whoa. So <laughs> What's that? will there be issues with decorum? Will that uh, will that create a problem? Maybe. It seems like decorum is on the outs when yeah. it comes to politics. So. A lot of, uh, apparently a lot of um, people are going to be dressed in black. Yep. They say Democratic women will wear black for Trump's speech. For time for the Time's Up movement? Uh, this, this would be just women that are Democrats in uh, Congress. Fashion statement? A little, uh, probably more of like Kind of in honor of the suffragist move, movement, they're actually saying. Hmm. And uh, remember, they wore white. Yeah, this at the you think we'd joint yeah. session of Congress, right? For a similar, yeah. So they're doing the same thing. So they're going black. Also, by the way, uh, you know, much like a mourning situation or, or at a funeral. Maybe people will see it as people are just trying to dress in a more formal sort of black tie. Ah, that would be type pick, situation. That'd pick up the game a yeah. bit. Everyone anyway, in Texas, go. Then, then we always have to. We'll we'll see if President Trump can say something that gets the longest amount of applause. Do you remember, like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the applause? They always measure the applause. I wonder also how. Thank they, you. They just thank a mess of them. They should compare it to other presidents and the amount of applause they got. I wonder if they will compare just it. to see if they could get him to tweet something. 
And you wonder how long he will go. President oh, right. uh, Clinton used to go forever. Yeah. Do you remember? He'd like oh, yeah. three days and you'd have to go out to the camper and, you know, get hydrated and then come back in. You really ought to look up the Saturday Night Live sketch. I believe it was Dana Carvey as President uh, George H.W. Bush giving a speech at the State of the Union. And I can't remember who Michael J. Fox was playing, but he was always trying to gauge when to stand up and applaud (laughs) and for how long. It's pretty funny. (laughs) There's a lot of pressure on the vice president who has to sit behind and and stay awake Mm. and um, the speaker of the house. So Paul Ryan, I hope he's I hope he had a good night's sleep. Don't these typically last about an hour? Well, I think it depends on the president. Well, Hmm. the actual speech. Yeah. But then there's like pre and post game. Yeah, and then there's the, <laughs> the red um, carpet. Then there's the rebuttal from oh. the uh, the other. Yeah, remember the last, when President Obama did it once? There were three rebuttals. Yeah, because you had the official Republican rebuttal, then you had a Tea Party rebu- mm-hmm. rebuttal or Freedom Caucus, whatever they called themselves, and then there was yet another group. And as it went down, uh, it, it decreased in in I guess in Intensity. stature. Uh, the last one was just some weird streaming signal from some yeah. camper somewhere. Okay, just... so my name's Jimmy, and um, I've been asked <laughs> to give the forty-fifth rebuttal. I was like, "All right." So everyone's there's just, apparently there's just going to be one. Yeah, and no one will watch it. And uh, it's a Kennedy. I think Robert it, Kennedy's yeah. grandson. Yeah, one of the one of the Kennedys. And it's like, oh, great, thanks. It's it's like thanks, little Robbie. The only thing people remember is that uh, Marco Rubio was thirsty when he did it. Yeah. And that's what started Trump's thirsty Marco. Yeah. yeah, and then uh, Bobby Jindal, who was from Louisiana, yeah. the governor of Louisiana, he uh, he just looked different, scared. I think was the the look like deer in headlights when he did it. So it doesn't seem to work uh, out well. When everything you give the gets critiqued. You can't yeah. even do a rebuttal anymore without everybody no. critiquing you. And then it'll be on Saturday Night Live, and that'll be the whole cycle. It'll be done. Yeah, you just hope that. This is a great chance for the president to pick up his ratings a little bit. He's still in the high 30s for approval. It, it would never, be great that he – maybe this is where he just gives the country a great big hug. And he's like, hey, you know, yeah, I'm a little bombastic and sometimes I say things that I shouldn't. It's, and it's I just New, want you to know it's that – It's New York talk. It's just – It's yeah, outer borough. It's, it's fine. This was locker room talk. Yeah. Certainly I'm not proud of it. It's fine. Yeah, it's just the way the way a man the man expresses. Oh, himself. I just wish he could just do that and bring this country together. Mm. They say it's going to be unifying. Really? Who said that? The White House. Kellyanne Conway. Mm. Possibly. I'm not sure who said it. Says who? Yeah, that guy. Well, that guy. He's the Says guy that's who? making other sort of payments. Okay, good. Um, so let's get to the rest of the headlines. What else should we be paying attention to today, Tim? As we've been talking the State of the Union tonight, the focus will be on building a safe, strong, and proud America. That's the theme safe, of the speech. Safe, strong, and proud. With an emphasis on Trump's trillion-dollar infrastructure plan. <gasps> See, so he's going to announce more of his plan? Well, it's the same plan. They just haven't started it yet. But No, are they going to give details? Like... We will put one hundred billion more, into roads. It's we more, will put one hundred billion into airplane it, it's facilities. It's more of a two hundred billion dollar plan with a bunch of public private partnerships, which means toll roads. Yeah, basically, lots but, of lots of toll roads. And of course, nothing's happened with this because no one's going to touch it this year because 
half of Congress are running for re-election. Yeah. And the last thing you're going to do is go in and say, hey, we're going to spend a bunch of money and you may not think it's important. We don't know. So we're just going to stick and right. be safe until November. Right. Then we're going to do infrastructure then in we're December. we're going to get crazy. And then we'll probably try to shut down the government again. And we'll just go through all this we again. We still have two more. You know, that we're going to have two or three of those. Yeah, so. I know. Uh, there, it'll also talk about the ongoing debate over immigration, economy, trade, national security. Um, the big question of the night is if Trump will offer lawmakers a specific blueprint for how he wants to proceed on thorny topics like uh, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, the DACA program, after signaling last week that he's open to a pathway to citizenship for people brought illegally to the U.S. as children. White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders told uh, what said on Tuesday, I think you're going to see a lot of President uh, President's heart in this speech. Oh, really? So this morning she said you'll see a lot of his heart as he speaks to America. That's great. And the world. I mean, some have argued, does he have a heart? It's questionable at times. But today we're going to see it. That's we're going to see his heart. Vladimir Putin on Tuesday slammed the U.S. government for publishing a list of Russian oligarchs linked to him, even though many in Congress believe the Trump administration has watered down the new anti-Putin measures that could have included additional sanctions, as well as the list of oligarchs published by the Treasury Department. The administration produced a report on the oligarchs and their wealth creation that documents uh, that document of course remains classified putin said the public list was a hostile step the document was initially requested by congress over allegations of russian influence in the election it names 114 officials in the russian government as well as 96 oligarchs with fortunes estimated at more than one billion dollars hmm. man what is it like to be on that list Maybe you're high-fiving everyone. If you remember, Russia put a bunch of our political leaders on a no-fly list, and they're running around, like, talking about how great sure. that is. It's like sure. a badge of honor. Yeah. Now I can't go to Russia. Okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, 2% of U.S. adults said they had uh, gotten a raise or bonus or other additional benefits to the Republican tax law enacted a month ago by President Donald Trump. Really? This according to a Reuters So everybody's poll. F- feeling the raise. They're feeling the benefit. 2%. Yeah, everybody. Two percent. Two percent of the and that's world of the country of working adults. Two percent. This this that this time. So what they're saying is there's all this talk of companies giving out bonuses and all this, and but the story is that the the scope of that is it's two percent. It sounds like there's a lot of people, but it's two percent who are going to get or have gotten some sort of bonus or a raise. Oh no, but. But the taxes are personal, right? So sure. everybody would get the benefit that's above a certain income level. They're, as the president is obviously going to talk about his tax plan and how all these companies are giving raises, Reuters is pointing out the scope of this is mm. 2% of the population. Uh, so uh, hailed by Republicans as a boost to the middle for the middle class, the law is expected to be framed as a win by Trump in his State of the Union tonight and to be a key theme for both parties headed to the November congressional elections. The full impact of the law will not be known for some time. Returns for 2018, when the law takes effect, will not be filed until 2019. That's when we'll find out. Then you'll was, find out. Then you'll find out it was 98%. About In the poll, about 58% of U.S. adults surveyed said the large U.S. corporations or wealthy Americans stand to benefit. 13% said the middle class will benefit most, according to the poll. Mm. Okay. Public sentiment doesn't seem to be there yet. No, we'll wait, see. I just said we'll see when the return comes back. Wait till they see more money. 
Finally, uh, the Cleveland Indians will abandon their controversial Chief Wahoo logo in the 2019 season, the New York Times reported Monday. The team's cartoonish depiction of Native American mascot first appeared on the uniforms in 1948. In recent years, the Indians have faced intense pressure to cleanse the use of the logo as awareness of the racially insensitive and offensive nature has become more widespread. MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred told the Times that Indians team owner Paul Dolan ultimately agreed with my position that the logo is no longer appropriate for on-field use in Major League Baseball. I appreciate his acknowledgement that removing it from on-field uniforms by the start of the 2019 season is the right course. Are the Braves next? I don't know. They're because they've the, got their whole chant, too, which a lot of people and, think is but offensive. But they don't have the image of a Native American on their jersey, right? Right, and he's they cartoonish. A, don't they have like a tomahawk or something? But don't you yeah. think the chant is offensive or that people find it offensive? Sure. But I guess that's the fans. Right. That's not. Well, no. That's the, not the, the team encourages that they play. Does the, the team have music. They play the music, and everyone knows that's when you chop. And yeah, so they might have to get rid of the chop. So what? Uh, but that's, uh, but the it, Atlanta Braves do it. The Florida State Seminoles do it. Yeah. The Kansas City Chiefs do it. The Redskins do it. If there's an Indian involved, they might do it. I guess that's the problem. Is too if you have a weapon as your mascot or your icon. Yeah. So what is the new mascot going to be? Well, they'll be the Indians, but the image, the logo, will be a letter C for oh. Cleveland, not I the Indians. Right, right, but like when they're trying, when they've got a mascot that's trying to rile up the audience at the game, they just have some goofball cartoon character. It's not a Native mm. American or someone with a headdress or something of that nature. Good. Which is really the way it's going. Is they're trying to get the imagery out of it. Yeah, you can usually the name is okay as long as you're not. Making fun of you, the stereotype of what a Native American not is. To, not to call out my hometown, but they need to follow what the University of Utah does with their mascot, which is there's a lot of respect for the Ute tribe right. by the running Utes. And they have them come perform and, and they you, have Ute night. And their mascot is a bird? Their mascot is a weird, funky bird <laughs> that somehow – they, they do everything they can to discourage any sort of yeah. Native American imagery from the fans yeah. because about the fourth quarter, people get a little riled up with a headdress on. It looks kind of weird. And I think it's cool. It's cool that we celebrate these cultures. It's right. just you can't make fun of these cultures. And, and if you look at the uh, University of Utah logo over the last few years, it used to be a U on a drum with a feather. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now it's becoming a U on a white background, no feather. Mm. They're slowly Feathers, moving away from yeah. the drum and the feather because – they don't want any imagery of that yeah. nature because it could be seen as, you yeah, know. Yeah, you don't miss, yeah. I think mistaken. you're seeing it in minor minor league ball uh, in Utah as well. I mean, you've got the Buzz, and a lot of people found that offensive, so they switched their name to the Bees. Really? Yeah. Who, who was offended by the Buzz? Well, I mean. Like the short-haired people? Talking about Indians, wouldn't, it, wouldn't you find it offensive if you, you put your hand on your mouth and you started making war cries? Yeah, now, I would. What about the buzz? I don't understand. Uh, it's an offensive sound. Really? What does it sound like? Don't you think that was offensive? It was annoying. Another word for offensive. <laughs> oh, I've never thought of it that way. Never, but you know, sure, makes sense. Uh, do you guys have a dog? No, no, none, no. Of, you, none of us have dogs. Uh, did you know that dogs apparently? Also, are lacking sleep. They're, really, they're kept 
awake at night. According to researchers now, a Hungarian study is uh, now published showing that dogs are kept awake at night and they, um, by some of their thoughts and the stress that they're suffering from. I would think that it would be more from that feeling of, oh, I'm missing out on something. Because every time somebody knocks yeah. on the door, rings the doorbell, oh, who's that? Hey, uh, we call what? that FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. So they're finding out that the dog a lot of times will reflect their 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 human counterpart. And so as humans are stressed because they have stress stressful things coming up, they're finding out that their dogs tend to mirror those same feelings. So dogs, they looked at the sleep experiences of dogs who were exposed to either positive or negative emotional experiences, and they found out that when they had positive experiences, they slept better. When they had negative experiences where they were anxious and stressed, they didn't tend to sleep as well. This is news to me. Yeah. I just thought they would be worried about, you know, the same things I'm worried about, where my next meal is coming from. Well, yeah, no, because they they probably just worry – about you. Do you know that they pick up your emotion? Dogs recognize and feel your emotion. Mm. So when you're anxious, they can, according to the studies, they have found that they can actually detect that you are anxious. It's the same with your kids. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Dogs can be sad. Dogs in research, uh, Gregory Burns, a professor of neuroeconomics at Emory, looked at scans of dogs in human brains and found that the structure and function of the caudate nucleus is similar in both which means they both can actually pick up and feel the same emotions. Dogs have memories. Have you ever seen a dog like running in its sleep? No. Yeah, my dog used to run in his sleep. Really? Uh, Yeah. Either that or he had restless dog leg syndrome. Have you ever seen a human walk in their sleep? Yes. That's creepy. My son got in the garage and then got locked in the garage. Ooh. Which is scary in the middle of the night when someone's knocking on your door in the garage. It's terrifying. It was just him in a diaper, basically. (laughs) Apparently, it's the only time I yell at my wife is in my sleep. And then I have no recollection of it the next day. Well, this is interesting. Well, what does that mean, Dr. Matt? um, Let's do that one off the air. Really? Yeah, we'll work work on that one off the air. There seems like some just really... There's some repressed feelings that we need to deal with off air. Couldn't be that uh, I'm just not aware of what I'm saying in the middle of the night? No. Really? So that if you if you use that logic, you make it seem like there is maybe something to dreams. When a lot of people no. would just say, "No, dreams are random." No, no, they're not random. They're real. So when I have dreams about my teeth falling out or falling down an elevator shaft, yeah, or trying to run but I can't run, but those are that means you need to the teeth thing is you need to floss more. Okay? And the running thing means you need to run more. Mm, I'd rather just have those nightmares. Yeah. By the way, did you know that dogs relax to music? Really? Playing music for your dog will actually relax your dog. Uh, that is if you play Barry Manilow and other yeah, it would depend on dog the favorites. Uh, dogs get jealous. So like if you bring a brand new baby home and you start giving the baby all the attention that the puppy or the dog used to get, the dog could get jealous. These are all backed I, by research. I believe dogs and kids to a certain age are on the same level. Oh, yeah. They're the same thing. Dogs know how to get what they want. They give you those puppy dog eyes that they teach in dog school. It changes once the child begins talking. And then you're like, oh, now yeah. it's different. But before then, it's the same. Yeah. Oh, no. They, it's very manipulative. 
Dogs know how to be cute. They open their eyes really big and wide, mm-hmm. and it just draws you in. Oh, you're like, oh, little puppy. And all they want is that milk bone, that's that it. biscuit. And you're like, oh, wait, you just wanted food. You didn't want to talk to me. Yeah. So here's your dog anthem now. This is uh, music that your dog might like. Would your, would your dog relax to this, George Clinton? This is called Atomic Dog. My dog, I don't have a dog. Hmm. I did have a dog, may he rest in peace, till my mom had him hired a hitman. No, no, Whoa. no, no. Whoa. Your, your dog was shipped away to that farm upstate. That's what she said. And then later I found out that she actually hired a hitman. Oh. Take him out. Interesting. I, I wasn't going to go here with this. But, but you went anyways. Well, when, when I heard the song Atomic Dog. See, this is interesting because now it seems like there's a lot we're learning about you. Maybe you have some repressed issues about your dog that we need to get out during the break. Yeah. About my mom hiring a hitman at the vet's office. Just not right. I thought they were just going to have a checkup. Next thing I know, my dog's supposedly in some field somewhere running free. Hey, we will continue the journey straight ahead. We're going to talk about what your mom has to do with your marriage. Maybe more than she should. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. The role of our parents changes in a person's lives as they get older and go through different phases, which brings us the question, what role should a mother play once you get married? I was able to discuss that question with family therapist Liz Higgins not too long ago. And to start the interview, I asked her to tell us about mother-in-laws that so many people have and, and the issues that they have. Well, it's so true, right? And I, I'm comforted hearing you say that you see this a lot, too, because even working with younger couples, I mean, yeah, it's definitely something that it's a prevalent um, factor for many people. And there's so many different types of parental relationships these days. Some people have two mothers, some people have two fathers, blended families, multiple mother-in-laws. I mean, it goes on and on. Um, but I still think one thing rings true, that mother relationship with a child, even an adult child, is really unique compared to other relationships. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's no doubt that that role is a significant part of a lot of people's lives. And it, and it seems like it's, it's a weird competition almost for the son or the husband. And it's, it's – um, yeah. so a lot of times when I hear of mother-in-law issues, I usually – I don't look to the – the women, I look to the man. <laughs> like, okay, mm-hmm. so there might not be clear messaging going on from the husband or the son. Yes, I completely agree with you. And, you know, honestly, it comes down to the couple's communication about these relationships. I mean, I think when it comes down to it, um, you know, I do a lot of premarital counseling, and I see pretty clearly that something that's not really discussed well, unless people go into premarital preparation of some sorts is uh, that whole idea of, okay, what are our relationships with our parents going to look like after we get married? Um, Because it's got to change. And, you know, many people are really, really close to their moms, um, you know, fathers too, but we're specifically talking about moms today. 
And uh, we have to kind of understand that relationships are fluid. You know, they change over time. It's not just black and white. So a lot of couples don't explore their own expectations about how the relationship with mom maybe needs to change or or anything. So it's a lot of unknown. Mm. What are some of the big uh, problems that you do see? What are the, what you know, and the errors that maybe are pretty obvious? What What do you see out there? Yeah, that's a good question. And some are obvious and some are not so obvious. I, I call some of them just growing pains of marriage, basically. But I think some of the most significant issues I see are basically about lack of boundaries. Um, a lot of times, you know, couples will have that controlling and intrusive mother-in-law or mother um, and people on, on either end, they don't know where the boundaries lie. You know, what's okay? What's not okay? Okay. And how, how do we deal with this if it's not okay that mom is kind of trying to run our show and tell us how to do things and live our life. Um, a lot of things I'll hear sometimes too, just regarding moms and mother-in-laws, um, it's kind of a passive aggressive tone about different things, you know, well, that's not how we did it in our family, or that's not how we want to see you doing things. Um, and that can be really hard for young couples, old couples, really any kind of couple. Mm. Um, yeah. And you know, the flip side of that too, is I think there's a lot of people out there that want to please their parents. So, um, you know, the adult kids become people pleasers to their mom and kind of put the mom's wishes before their own spouses. And that can cause a lot of different issues for the couple. Oh, yeah. Because you do, you, um, I, oh, I, I just brought up 20 stories. In, in, right. my, <laughs> in my mind, I sit there and I, and I wonder if this is a millennial problem. Like, is, is this new to this kind of uh, millennial generation where, where the parents – Maybe where we over coddled the the kids anyway, and so yeah. it's harder for the parent. They've always <laughs> been doing everything for the child, so why not lead their marriage for them? Oh gosh, right. And I have a million thoughts on that too. I mean, no doubt that this is the experience for a lot of millennials today. That that con- that idea of being coddled, but. I think millennials also are really generalized a lot in in that sense of the word. So, you know, I've worked with so many millennial aged people that have not had that experience. You know, they haven't been coddled. They, they want to have, you know, their, their own life, build their own future and, and really have been on their own for a long time. So that's not always the case. Um, you know, the term helicopter parent has been around for a while, so I wouldn't say it's completely unique to this generation, but it's definitely a factor for many. I mean, obviously, the studies show millennials stick around the house um, a lot longer than maybe past generations. But I think with all that, we have to consider the economic factors of this generation and what, what we've faced. You know, many people have had to deal with those repercussions of the economy over the past 10 years. And that's really, really changed the ability for people to go out and make their own life. Um, So, yeah, I think it could be a factor, but if it is, it needs to be addressed. Yeah, right. And um, talk about the uh, kind of the gender side of this. Is it Mm-hmm. Why why aren't dads kind of more perceived as overly intrusive? And what do you think? Why and and, and why are moms more at odds with the daughter in law? If sure. that's I guess if that's the case. Well, yeah, and I don't know if that's maybe the only kind of case I've seen because again, it's kind of unique to each couple, each family dynamic. I mean, all these issues, again, are kind of fluid just depending on the people and and their situation. But, 
you know, what I've seen in my experience with couples is while there are differences on paper regarding some of the issues that occur more with males or females, all of the issues typically come down to the growing pain stuff, boundary issues, kind of like I mentioned before. Um, you know, when we're talking about men, kind of like you said earlier, a lot of it kind of has to do with maybe the female partner's closeness to their mom, which could seem kind of intimidating or like a threat to the couple relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, where do I fit into this whole thing? You know, when you're running off and talking to your mom about all our stuff, where does that put me? So that can kind of be like a competition type thing. And then for women, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just thinking of a male-female di- dynamic here, which we know there's so many different dynamics out there. But for women that have really close relationships, um, or I'm sorry, for, for women who's partners have really close relationships with their mom you know they want to make sure they're number one to their partner and that they aren't being judged or compared to the mother-in-law mm. so especially you know in families with strong cultural influences they'll, they'll, there will be that um kind of thought process of comparing myself to mother-in-law oh yeah and i mean that's an interesting point too just culturally i mean some cultures hang on to family and some cultures kind of oh, yeah. move on from family right Absolutely. Yes. And, you know, for the strong cultural families, there's tons of things that go into that, that, you know, a person could compare themselves endlessly cooking, how they keep the house, how they, um, you know, do the laundry or just different things. And that's, that's hard in a world today where most relationships, both partners are working full-time jobs. Mm. And, and (laughs) the sad thing about this is if you were never near your family, this would be fine. You could just sort it out. Right. But it's every holiday. It's every – and then if it is about like cooking, it's every holiday and they're like, oh, you put marshmallows oh, yeah. on the yams? Yeah, we don't do that. We don't do that. And then right. it's, and then there's this in, this sense of inferiority and a competition going on just about mm-hmm. a meal. Yeah. Oh, right. Bro. And that's why I tell couples, you know, as long as you two – Begin having really open communication about your own, you know, roles, your own expectations for the two of you. Then you can step into those situations and you can say things like, okay, I know my mom's probably going to pick on you about this or this. We need to not let that get to us. It's all about having those boundaries, even Mm. if they aren't spoken to mother-in-laws or mom. Um, when the couple is on the same page about things, you can get through anything. But what are some of the solutions? What can we do as... Uh, just, you know, husband, wife, and usually it seems like it's kind of in the earlier stages of the marriage where we're forging and, and, and I guess, uh, remolding this relationship with our in-laws. Mm-hmm. What, are the, mm-hmm. what are some well, of the rules and tools? Definitely, yeah, and hopefully it's happening at the beginning, but if it happens later on in life, that's fine too. You yeah. know, I love talking about the solution because there always is a solution. Um, I think it's hard to say what should happen in every single situation, but, you know, one thing is certain to me, um, and this is based on research and what makes marriages last, is marriage has to come first. So above your parents, above your siblings, above your children. And this is a really hard pill for people to swallow sometimes, especially with that kid factor, but it's true. Um, You know, the most successful relationships are the ones where each person feels respected, valued by their partner and just the priority of their partner's world. So this doesn't mean that, you know, the relationship with mom becomes surface level or you can't be close anymore, but the relationship needs to become different. You know, I write in my blog, it's learning to love them in a different way. Hmm. 
So um, before you ever begin to address boundaries, it's kind of walking into this whole scenario with that kind of mindset. You know, we're doing this because we've come together. Um, we've got married. We love each other. And that's why this is important because setting boundaries is hard to do. And a lot of emotion kind of goes with it. You know, it can feel harsh when you say, no, mom, I'm not going to do this. Or, you know, no, we're not coming over for this event. We're going to do our own thing this year. Um, it can feel kind of rude, but it's, you got to do what you got to do to protect your relationship first. Yeah. And and I guess, I mean, that, that idea, that mentality of uh, marriage first, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it seems like a no brainer, but it, it'll impact the kids' lives. If it's not, it'll impact everything. And it's, Jobs will take advantage of it. You know, Netflix is going to right. want your attention more than your marriage uh, and as well as your in-laws. Mm-hmm. So, it, again, I guess talking about that, making that the goal, right, the rule, um, the right. standard is, is important. What, uh, how do we, what do we do if, our, if we're talking with our partner and they seem to be easily offended or needing to defend their, their mother in a way that – that almost is like it's already turning it into a competition. Right. Sure. That's a good question. You know, because anytime somebody is becoming defensive towards you, it's because they are protecting something. So they're feeling some kind of threat, whether it's emotionally or otherwise. And it's important to kind of stop yourself and and say, okay, what's going on with this person? What's going on with my partner that they're kind of putting the guns up to me because obviously I'm, I'm triggering something or something's getting stirred up. So it's kind of, you know, turning to that, turning towards that kind of situation with openness and, and a goal to understand what's going on. What, what is so important? I mean, maybe it's a tradition, maybe it's something that they've, I don't know, some close thing they've got with their parent that they don't want to let go of. And perhaps it's something you can discuss, Hmm. but it's kind of learning to understand your partner's needs, what's going on with them. Because I've worked with a lot of couples where it's really easy for one to kind of cut the tie with their parents and they can just move right along and kind of start their life with their partner. But the other partner really, really has a hard time doing that because maybe they grew up in a really close knit or like enmeshed family system and it's just really hard. And so the other person just doesn't understand why can't you just cut off with these people? You know, Um, it's, it's not always going to be that easy. So it's, Getting curious about your partner, especially when they get defensive, what's going on with them? And, and it's not always – it's not always – like if my spouse has a great relationship with their with their mother, it doesn't mean I have to hate that. I mean that's right. probably healthy and good to a point. I, I might want to respect it um, and maybe then just adjust it now with the new reality that I'm your spouse. Exactly. And that can be really hard for a partner to kind of experience is, you know, a spouse that is really close to their parents when maybe they were not. So with that, I've seen a lot of people even get jealous about it. It's like, wow, you know, I wish I had that. But of course, you wouldn't say that. So it comes out very defensive or passive aggressive or, you know, you start to get angry at your partner. And um, I don't know. I tell people when, when those negative things start coming out, what are you not talking about? What are you not telling your partner that you need to start exploring with them out loud so that they can understand your world? Hmm. That's great. That, what a great question. And 
I mean, for yeah. all of us, what what is it you are afraid to say or you don't say, yet it keeps coming back and biting you? One of the things you also mentioned in your article is that this doesn't – I mean, this relationship evolves, right? It takes time. Right. And what's weird is mm-hmm. you can set all the boundaries you want and then all of a sudden you have a grandchild and a lot of mm-hmm. new boundaries need to be set and new – New systems need to be, you know, created. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I'm glad you bring that up because you're right. And that's a whole other segment, you know, to talk about for hours and hours because you're right. You could create these boundaries and have a really good kind of um, separation of your marriage to your parents. But you're right. You know, when you bring children into the page, uh, into the picture, then, you know, here come the animals back in to help <laughs> because it, it just changes the whole dynamic. So, yeah, it's a very fluid thing, and you have to just kind of be flexible as you walk through life with your partner um, in dealing with that. Is, and I know we talk a lot about the boundary thing, yeah. um, and that's, you know, when I talk about boundaries with couples, it's basically learning to identify what is okay and what is not okay for you, and then understanding what is okay and what's not okay for your partner. Because that's... It's a two-way street here, right? And that's part right. of the communication that needs to go on. I, I see sometimes with my clients that one partner doesn't see the threat of it and one partner sees the threat and mm-hmm. or, or sees it as a threat. Um, mm-hmm. And so I guess this is where you you really need to be able to voice your own concern but also get out of yourself and truly understand the deeper problem going on with what your partner's thinking. Like, what is it really that's creating this fear in them? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's something maybe a lot of people don't realize um, marriage is about. So, you know, we have a lot more people kind of walking into marriage and calling it quits way, way early. Um, That's a big part of what I see is that, that struggle to kind of recognize, oh, wow, so I can state my needs and set my boundaries, but I've also got to respect and protect yours. Mm-hmm. And that's a great way exactly. to build the trust, right? If I if mm-hmm. I can understand your needs, you can understand mine, and we could come to some agreement, and then I live up to it. It's not enough. I see all the time where one, like the wife will tell her husband, really, I need you to be loyal to me when we're with your family too. Be loyal to me, my ideas. Listen to me. Validate those. And he's like, for yeah. sure, I will totally be there. And then he still disappears and, and doesn't validate her. And right. you got to deliver. Exactly. You do. And, you know, and it's not about putting your partner in, in the path of the flames for you. It's not making them have difficult conversations for you, but it's learning to do it together, learning what that looks like, what that means for each of you. Um, you know, you got to be fair. It's it's not about, OK, you deal with your parents and I'll deal with my parents and that, you know, right. it's it's got to be it's got to be fair. Hmm. Well, I mean, it's it really is. It's great. It's great advice, and it's it's something we just we learn as we go. It's kind of part of the maturing process. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it comes down to the realization that you cannot control somebody else's behavior. So even if you request changes, or you know, you say, "No, mom, I'm not going to do this," or "No, mom, we're not doing that this time." Um, you have to remember you can't control how they're going to respond to your boundary, and so. Just remembering that the only person you do have control over is yourself. So sometimes a boundary means removing yourself from a situation that's not conducive to your marriage or healthy for you and just having a way to check in with your partner after that happens so so that you can, like I said, walk into those uncomfortable situations with your in-laws and, and just know that you're on the same page about how you're going to deal with it. Yeah, 
Great stuff. Great advice. Liz Higgins, uh, appreciate it. And keep writing. Keep up the good work. Yeah, thanks so much. I appreciate it. You bet. We'll talk to you again. Again, Liz Higgins, uh, MFT.com is the website. Um, Liz Higgins, MFT.com. Wonderful uh, insight on uh, how to improve your relationship with your in-laws. We'll take a break. Come back and uh, wrap up the second hour of the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. It's time now to go to our uh, empty news with Dr. Whoa. I was, I was going to call you doctor. No, but that's not appropriate. Why not? Well, because you're not a doctor. Like so? Me. Well, Terry's always saying how you're not a doctor. Well, no, but he's lying. I hmm. am a doctor. Okay. Okay, let's just shoot it down uh, to um, uh, Master's... Master, eh, not a master's either. Master is better, though. Yeah, master, you think? Yeah. Master Jeffrey Liam Simpson. So here's another example of somebody that probably could have gotten away with something had they not done something stupid. What? It happens all the time. I guess, you know, we kind of highlight those stories, but Stephen Gomez Maya walks into a Connecticut bank one morning and uh, hands the teller a note. This is a robbery. Give me $5,000. Nobody gets shot. So the teller gave $500 cash to Gomez Maya. But detectives had him in handcuffs within hours after discovering the note he left at the bank was written on the back of his girlfriend's pay stub. Come on! The 20-year-old now faces up to four years in prison. When he is sentenced for the robbery after taking a plea deal in the case last week. Okay, there was a plea deal. Because I'm thinking, that's all you get for robbing a bank is four years? You'd think you'd automatically get, you know, a big sentence. It's so funny. There's this uh, quote from a movie that I really love where these really smart guys are sitting sitting around and trying to figure out how to launder money. And they're looking up money laundering in the dictionary. And the comment he makes is... How is it that stupid mafia guys can be so good at crime and smart guys like us are so bad at it? (laughs) It's an interesting point. It's a great point. Yeah. Um, Here's another one. So uh, what are some measures that you've taken to get rid of spiders? Uh, We have the sticky spider trap. The sticky spider trap? Which catches spiders left and right. Is it uh, effective? Very effective. Really? So we, you know, we hired out to yeah. an exterminator or somebody to come and do some pest control, right? Yeah. yeah. But uh, and the sad thing is, this is not the first time this type of thing has happened. So, an attempt to kill a large spider with a torch lighter went awry oh, Sunday. No. Yeah. When the burning arachnid caused a Redding, California apartment fire that is forcing the residents to move out. <laughs> now, notice I said burning arachnid. So they actually did catch, or they did uh, were able to engulf the spider uh, in flames. Uh. However, the spider then scurried onto one of the mattresses. Uh-oh, flaming hot spider. And from there, and a, it spread to a bunch of old uh, a flag collection that they had hanging up. And uh, yeah, they're not going to be able to live there cow, anymore. they burnt their place down. Yeah. Because of a spider that was on fuego. Yeah. 
I was terrified that I was going to burn my house down when I was trying to fix our furnace. Oh, what we did turned you off do? the power. Yeah. Terry showed me a little tip. Yeah. This YouTube video, you take out this little part, you clean it. Well, I didn't have anything that I could clean it with other than an old toothbrush. So I start scrubbing at it, and there was this little tiny piece that was as brittle as one of those pieces of lead you put in the mechanical pencils. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it just snapped right off. You broke it. So immediately it's like, well, we got to buy this $30 part. So we had to cancel the appointment with the person that was going to come and fix it. And uh, yeah, I just... Does your furnace work now? No. No. So we're freezing in our house and have been for days. I just can't (laughs) seem... To no. to yeah. fix things. No, I'm, I'm not a handy either. person. So you know what you do? What? You hire people. Yeah, we did. Yeah. But you know, we think this is going to be one of those things where it's going to be a super expensive fix that yeah. will take them five seconds right. to do. Right. You and know, it's what? frustrating. Some people aren't handy. Some of us are just really good looking. Well, and some of us well, thank are you. handy. Wow. Yeah. But you know, I think there's part of me that wants to prove myself. As a man, you want to yeah. prove that you can accomplish something. I don't need to hire out this to is, do... I know. Let me just give you some wisdom from my old age. The key is you prove yourself by having enough money to just hire the right person. So That's, is that more attractive yes. than trying to do it yourself yes. and failing? Because now your wife is freezing another day with a baby, a brand new cute baby that is... Uh, she has to keep warm all day. Yeah. So... It's so much easier to just throw down the money. And hmm. then you, then my wife is always like, oh, that went well. <laughs> <laughs> then, it's just, they, then it's just organizing. You just got to get the person there to fix it. I'm telling you, I've learned this in my old age. You can try to do it yourself for cheaper or you can just pay to have it done right. That's what I need to do from now on. From now on. Remember the last time you almost got electrocuted. True. You could have died in front of your daughter. This uh, time, I was alone. This time you could have had a gas leak. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, so let's not risk it next time. Let's just remember some of us are made to look good and some of us are made to be handy. Why are parts even made that are that brittle? Though? No, they're only brittle after they've been used so much. And I they, thought about that. And they're broken. Mm. And then you had to go play with it and then you broke it. So you're telling me it was essentially broken anyway. I didn't – Yeah. Do what, anything wrong. What I might do is I might call the guy in. I wouldn't go replace that piece and assume it's going to work. Really? I wouldn't. Okay, but here's the thing. If he shows up, because we know we have to replace it anyway because I broke it. Yeah. So we we knew we'd probably have to wait for him to go and get the part anyway, so we'd have to wait anyway. Well, I would just tell him in the call. I, I was scrubbing with a toothbrush <laughs> that one thing, and I broke it. Okay, but then here's the thing. Yeah. They say, oh, yeah, yeah, this is a, this is a very rare part. It's going to take like a week to get, and uh, it's going to set you back a couple hundred bucks. No, you're saying, well, no, it's $30. I checked it out. It's right there. Yeah. You can go get it at Home Depot right now for 30 bucks. Do you want me to just go grab it for you? It's 30 bucks. I'll go get it. <sighs> nice try, buddy. Because we need to make sure that we don't look like we're gullible yeah. And fools. Well, then don't tell him about the toothbrush thing. Because <laughs> he's going to be like, yeah. And that's not even your problem. Your problem is a switch on your blower fan. Mm. That's what they always do. It's always a switch. You got, it, the problem is your switch on your blower. Let me ask you this, though. As a consumer, 
Am I? Is it not good for me to assume that they're going to try to take advantage of me? I would assume that you would.、Mm-hmm. Okay, and then in fact, I would even just have a hundred dollars ready that you have specifically delineated for being taken advantage of.、Hmm. It's one hundred dollars to be roughed up. Now, is it okay for me to say like, why don't you? Why don't you give me the price that this is really worth? And uh, I'll no, I'll make it the, worth your while and and slip you a twenty or something. Just know that your children are freezing. When you walk in, their lips are purple. And <laughs> once you get the heat on, you'll be the hero. And all it means is another week of work.、Mm. Quit trying to buck the system. I will say, when I went to record yesterday, I had to put on wool socks, put my feet in、uh, warm slippers. I had jeans and. Uh, fleece pajama bottoms on.、Uh-huh. I had a shirt, a sweatshirt,、wow. and a jacket, and、yeah. gloves while、okay. I was recording. What you might, <laughs> what you might also want to do is get a space heater. I have a, a, a heated blanket. Wow. Yeah. You know what I would do? Just get your furnace fixed. All right. I promise it'll turn out. It'll be better for you. I know these things. I am your senior. And I I had to replace my heater switch blower vent slash motor. That is the technical term for it. For actually, for my furnace over、yeah. the Christmas holiday, and it's you know you can you can keep pretending you're a man, or you can just admit you're gorgeous and. Well, thank、pay. you. I, I don't、One、mean last... that specifically.、Oh, I mean I like、see. generally. One last question. Yeah. Should I try to reinstall the piece that I broke myself, or should I wait and have the guy do it? I'd have the guy do it. And I would just, you know what? You just say, "Look, I heard from a friend. You just got to take it out and clean it." So I was cleaning it. By the way, I wouldn't tell him how you were cleaning it, or he will laugh at you. <laughs> I've had my furnace repairman or my air conditioning repairman actually take pictures of my air conditioner, and he keeps them on his phone because he thinks it's so funny. Really? Yeah, because mine. My air conditioner had vines growing all over it, so it was suffocating. To make it more embarrassing, yeah. As it was breaking, I heard from another part of the house. Have you seen my toothbrush? <sighs> yep. So it's time to get a new repair man to come fix it and a new toothbrush. See, these are the little things we help you on,、uh, help you with here at the Matt Townsend Show, doing what we can to make your life a little bit easier. More straight ahead. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at one eight five five Chat BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends, and happy days are here again. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, along with Jeff and Terry. The gang is gathered. We've got a lot of stuff we're going to be talking about, including should. I do a cleanse. You always hear about these cleanses. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm on a cleanse. I'm trying to cleanse my inner vessel. So, is it one that、uh, you can only eat fruits and vegetables for a certain amount yeah, of time? Certain diet cleanses. Then there's juice cleanses. Oh, do you have to take like that nasty、mm. drink mix that、Ugh. has? It tastes like、yeah. horse food. Not that I would know. I've never fed a horse. Yeah. I mean, hay tastes like hay. Anyway,、uh, so we will be talking about cleanses with our good friend、uh, Dr. Ron Hager, the health evangelist, will be joining us. 
We're going to find out from him about how we detox our bodies. And we, we might want to be careful because there's important stuff in your body that helps you maintain your health. And some of these cleanses or detoxes might actually damage the good, uh, what do we call it there? The the good flora. The good, what do we call it in our bodies? The, the gutty biome. Yeah. Flora? You don't want to mess, yeah. mess up the uh, gutty biome. It, it's what hmm. regulates your whole digestive system. Yeah. And if it's out of whack, wow. Don't whack. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And then you have some other sort of, um, how would you put it, less appealing options to try to re-regulate your system? Yeah. And you might want to just not mess yeah. with it. Yeah, let's not mess with the gutty biome. Just telling you. So we're going to get into that in a bit. And uh, But it's actually a beautiful segue in today, into uh, one of our hot topics today, which is the um, State of the Union. So we're going That's from the gutty biome true? to the State of the Union, which if you're not into politics, this is one of the worst days ever because it, it takes off a, a lot of television is then postponed, suspended as we listen well, to the president. Like network TV. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're talking to like well, the, what, 25% of people that still have cable? Well, yeah, but then too. It's probably more than that. Well, it's probably a lot more than that. <laughs> but then you still have uh, all of the big um, – you know, all the big cable outlets as well are going to be covering it. They already are. Mm. They're covering and it right now. Right now they're the covering it. The extended pregame. Are they going to interrupt wow. Netflix? No. Okay, I'm good. Yeah, just watch Netflix. And a great, I mean, I like, I, I, I've been watching a show about comedians in cars. Drinking stimulants. Drinking a stimulant, a hot stimulant. <laughs> and uh, it's just, it's... I've been enamored with how they think. It's fascinating. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. And really, honestly, how nervous a lot of them are and how many, how much anxiety a lot of these comedians have. Part of it has to do with the fact that they're sitting next to Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. But they're all – a lot of them are really good friends with Jerry. Like I didn't know Steve Martin really has a lot of anxiety. Yeah. And he quit his – he quit. He had one of the hottest shows going in the 70s and 80s. He was hit. I'm a wild and crazy guy. Remember that? Mm-hmm. All of his his bit, he it just got too much and he quit. He was, he was performing in front of sold-out audiences in stadiums. Yes. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, he just walked away. Yeah. Hmm. It was just too much. It was too much. And hmm. then since then, he's just been doing movies. Well, he also performs – he goes on tour with Martin Short. Oh, They do fun. a show together. That'd be fun. That Looked up the really tickets. Fun. It's like 75 bucks a pop. Well, it's not that fun. A pop. <laughs> yeah. I guess there's a really loud pop in the show. That's yeah. the only time I use pop. I say soda. I'm not one of those people yeah. that says pop. I'm one of those people. <laughs> well, no, you – the other – a few ah. minutes ago, you said pop and drop. I, don't, I didn't even know what that meant. Hmm. I think it's a dance move. No, I think it's what you do when you're on fire. It's what it's what happens pop, to me whenever pop, I and roll. bend over to pick up like a pen or something it's, on the ground. I hear a pop and then I just drop. It's your spine, yes. <laughs> Dislocated. Oh, it's aging. It's a wonderful process. So we'll get to all that fun. Plus, we will visit our good brethren at BYU Sports Nation, find out what's going on uh, in their neck of the woods. But first, let's hit it, Terry. What else should we be paying attention to? House Speaker Paul Ryan suggested this morning that there may have been malfeasance by people at the FBI. 
Oh, boy. Brian's concession follows Monday's controversial vote by the House Intelligence Committee to release a secret memo that reportedly accuses senior FBI officials, some of which were appointed by Trump himself, of misusing their authority to obtain a surveillance order on President Trump's former campaign associate, Carter Page, who was under investigation by the previous uh, FBI because they saw him hanging out with a bunch of Russians. Like, what are you doing? Ah, yeah. So what apparently, are you doing? apparently, it's wrong to look at a guy who seems to be doing things that are kind of sketchy and is very not willing to discuss a lot of what he's been doing. Though he's on TV quite a bit, I hear. <laughs> uh, Democrats, as well as a number of conservatives, have blasted the memo for fueling speculation of a deep state conspiracy. Ryan said, "It's our job in conducting transparent oversight of the executive branch to get to the bottom of that. Sunshine is the best disinfectant." And so what we want is all this information to come out, except for the Democrats' memo. They voted to keep that one secret. The the Republicans' memo is the one that's getting out. The Democrat one isn't. So as Speaker Ryan calls it, we want all the information out. It is limited in what he's talking about. Yeah. Just keep that in mind. Why can't we just have bilateral leaking of information? No, no. Elections have consequences. It means you don't get to be heard. Great point. The Department of Justice has warned that making the memo public would be an extraordinary Level of recklessness. Oh, boy. So be careful. Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, and J.P. Morgan Chase & Company announced Tuesday that they are teaming up to improve health care options for U.S. workers. Sweet. For their U.S. workers. Oh. Not U.S. Hmm. workers in general, just their ah. U.S. workers. There's- I was hoping that they'd put their brains together to fix our health care world. The three companies plan to use their scale and joint expertise to help reduce costs and improve employee satisfaction and health plans using an independent company. The company said they hope to use a fresh approach to solving long-standing problems. The ballooning cost of health care uh, act as a hungry tapeworm on the American economy. That's kind of gross. <laughs> as a guy that's had a tapeworm. That was Warren Buffett, by the way. I'd appreciate you not using those terms. Our group does not come to this problem with answers, but we will also do not accept it as inevitable. We will but fix this. Honestly, if you got some big players like that right. who have a lot of employees, mm. they could force a change and then do something where the rest of us could jump on. Right. And we could all a pub- jump in. A public option, if you a will. A public option with a Cadillac plan. <laughs> yeah. And let us all get onto that thing. And then we could create a movement. Right. Oh, that could be exciting. And then we go to our local Amazon Go store to get our health care. It would be great. That would be fantastic. Be a doctor right over there next to the baloney. Right, right. Uh, ExxonMobil announced Monday that it plans to invest $50 billion in the U.S. in the next five years, citing President Trump's tax plan. Ah, oh, see, That's it's according working. To CNBC. It's working. We will be investing billions of dollars to increase oil production in uh, West Texas and New Mexico, expanding existing operations, improving infrastructure, and building new manufacturing sites, wow. wrote the CEO. This will create thousands of jobs, strengthen the U.S. economy, enhance energy security. Exxon's announcement is the latest in a slew of them stemming from the approval of the tax legislation last year. This is, see, it's happening. It's happening. By the way, remember that carrier plant? Yeah. The, that one. Trump yeah. went to? Yeah. It's just that one. Yeah, they just fired 215 people. Ah, eh, you know what? 600 it's jobs shipped to Mexico. And... But, but, but there's these other companies right. that are bringing jobs in. Sure. And then in a year, we're all going to see that we saved a ton. Honestly, like five grand each on our taxes. We'll see. Yeah. I've heard that before. <laughs> but you can see it now. And finally, my long personal nightmare, I guess, is over. What? I've been walking a uh, 
a, a very difficult line these last few weeks. Remember, we talked about the E. coli breakout that seemed oh, to yeah. be connected. You didn't to know if you should eat lettuce or not. Romaine lettuce, which I consume for lunch on a daily basis. Fifteen states had been linked to the breakout. Yeah. Mm. The CDC says it appears to be over. So 15 people said they were sick from the leafy greens. However, the investigation was not able to identify whether it was romaine lettuce or another specific type of leafy green. Huh. I think it was kale. It's always kale. Kale's evil. It shouldn't be eaten. It should not be consumed. Yeah. No, it's making I, people I sick. agree. I agree. Uh, kale, is that the one you rub on your skin if you have a wound? They've probably turned it if into that. If you want that. to, sure. Um, they say the leafy greens have a short shelf life, so anything that was contaminated is probably rotten and thrown into the garbage if it wasn't already consumed. So. Wow. Hmm. What are you going to do? Consumer reports? Yes. Like that? I like that. A little sound effect there. They find the best tasting frozen pizzas. Okay. DiGiorno's has got to be on there. The best I, I, tasting... was dis- I was disappointed. There's really no uh, brand that I've ever heard of. DiGiorno's? No, it's not on here. <gasps> Sorry, it's not one of the best tasting. Wow. No, I'll take it back. I've heard of a couple of these. I don't know if don't... you would name them as a frozen pizza brand, though. Okay. So the the apparently vegetable pizzas are the best nutritionally, and they get some of the highest marks for taste. Wrong. <laughs> so California Pizza Kitchen, they have frozen pizza. They have Ooh. a spinach artichoke crispy thin crust pizza. Mm, that sounds triable. I'm going to try that. It sounds mm. triable. Triable. Hmm. It's like tribal. Uh, Trader Joe's has an organic roasted vegetable pizza. It mm. boasts a variety of chunky veggies, why, such why, as peppers. Why are we only testing the veggie ones? Uh, they got the highest uh, rated, uh, the highest ratings. They're saying overall are the veggie pizzas because they're uh, looking for nutrition plus taste. Oh, that's it. You can't tell me that the people that are eating these vegetable pizzas aren't secretly thinking, "Gosh, I had, I hope this had some. I wish I, this had some pepperoni on it." Yeah, they, no, they, they want the meat pizza. No, I don't think that's the case. I, I like myself an artichoke pizza every once in a while. <laughs> I don't know. And then it says top ranked cheese pizzas that earned good marks. Yeah. So just good. Maybe like mm. a, a B. Okay. American flatbread. Yeah. Never heard of it. No. And then Amy's cheese pizza. Who's Amy? See, Amy's. I don't know who Amy is. I know Amy. Do you know Amy's? Mm-hmm. Does she know her pizza? It's just a cheese pizza. They try to dress it up with some uh, spicy language here, but it's just a yeasty crust topped with mozzarella and fresh tasting tomato sauce. It's one of those healthier brands. Brands, yeah. Which may not be healthy. Wow. In the well, end, because it is pizza. I mean, it's expensive, so it's healthy. Yeah. That's the, the equation. What about just something with sausage and pepperoni? And Well, yes. this, this was the cheese pizza yes. variety. I'm just want, I just I want to know what that one that is. That is the best yeah. pizza ever pepperoni and sausage. Also, there's a mm. new flavor of Kit Kat. <gasps> I'm listening. Of course, we're doing this because Ron Hager's in the room. He's going to talk about. Nutrition and health. So we're yeah. going to talk about things that aren't, yeah. um, like pizza. And uh, Kit Kat has a new flavor. It's only available in Japan. What? Uh, it's called Kit Kat Nodo Amiyaji, which translates into something that isn't this because I probably just butchered that. But allegedly, it translates into Kit Kat cough drop flavor. What? Mm. New chocolate actually Ugh. delivers a dose of 2.1% throst lozenge powder in every lozenge powder Why? in every serving. Why? No, this is Japan. They is like it stuff. to get kids to eat their medicine? So each box contains three individually wrapped Kit Kats, features an image of a famous Japanese sports broadcaster 
who's screaming out, it's one more point, another point. I guess that's his catchphrase. What's his name? Uh, what's his name? Does it matter? Well, I might know him. Yasuro Matsuki? Matsuki. Yeah, you don't know him. You should talk to Spencer and Jerem about him. See if they know him. I'm pretty sure they He's a good guy. Well, do you think? Mm-hmm. Well, he's so on it a says, the slogan box. reads, there is a battle there that most definitely can't, can't be lost as a nod to the fact that Kit Kat is produced uh, in Japan, which surely literally, I don't know. So some weird uh, sports tie-in that doesn't make any sense, but it says that the cough drop flavor Kit Kat only available until September 5th and only in Japan. Wow. Head on over to eBay. I don't know why you'd want a Kit Kat that tastes at all like a throat lozenge. Well, that's that's the box. Yeah, right there. The box alone shows you it's not appealing. <laughs> it's like some guy with a headset It's on. like they put Bob Costas on, on a Kit Kat cough drop flavored box. Yeah. And he says... Don't get me wrong. Whatever. I love me a good throat lozenge. And finally, how much would you pay for a taco? Mm, look, um, I need a little more information. Like an ex- like a high a, a quality nice gourmet without saying gourmet because if you say gourmet, yeah, it's you, instantly not gourmet. I just but. paid three fifty for one taco and I hated yeah. myself for it. Okay, so three fifty. I'm going to go with about five bucks a taco, six seven bucks if it was like a nice restaurant. Okay, like a nice fish taco. Mm. Would you need two, maybe three? Yes, you'd want two at least. Five. Five would be Whoa. great. If it's five, I wouldn't pay five dollars. I'd pay three dollars a taco think... for five tacos. <laughs> okay, it's the Costco mentality yeah. here. So the Detroit Free Press reports that a Dearborn, Michigan restaurant, M Cantina, selling sixty dollars tacos. Right. What? Which is not only that you have to buy three at a time, so it's ah. one hundred eighty dollars for a plate of tacos. Well, okay, so tell us what's in the taco cuz they must lure be really good. The prospective presumably wealthy diner cuz mm-hmm. they're going to spend 180 bucks on lunch. Uh, the uh, the chef packs the pricey plate with the following. Seared American wagyu wagyu w a g y u mm-hmm. wagyu beef, mm. a knob of Hudson Valley foie gras or foie I can't even read. Uh, pearl of golden oestra caviar. And shaved black truffles. Yeah, it sounds gross. Yeah. It's topped with leaves of the succulent ice plant Mm. and served with a side of Hawaiian salt, smoky chili sauce, and roasted grasshoppers for crunch. Yeah, I'd I'd rather go pay two bucks and go to the taco truck. I'd rather take a bullet. (laughs) Not to be rude, but that sounds like a horrible taco. You you get fish eggs. Hmm. They form. You get duck. Pate. Yeah. Duck. For liver. bra. Yeah. And then caviar, so fish eggs. Black truffles is kind of mushroomy. Yeah, it's a mushroom. But not necessarily a mushroom. A nice mushroom. Like yeah. Um, topped with an ice Crickets. plant, Hawaiian salt, chili, and grasshoppers. Can and they, you, want, they want you to spend 60 bucks a taco, but you can only buy them in sets of three. I want to smother it in, uh, I want to have it smothered. In? In a in a mild in a mild sauce, a mild green sauce, maybe. Okay. If I was paid one hundred eighty dollars, I would try it yeah. for sure. I'm not eating that. You know, that's a no on that one. That's a no. But it's got like grasshoppers on it. Yeah, but so check this out. For like five bucks, I can get a chalupa meal. <laughs> that's a great point. From and, your car and sans sans crickets. I mean, how many times are you trying to keep bugs out of your food? And this, this is place true. is putting bugs into your food. Did you yeah. know they've started serving French fries 
You mentioned an you establishment mean, without mean, mentioning it. Fritas? French fries. Yeah, yes. they're not called French fries. They can't be called French fries in this location. Well, they're you do realize fritas. it's not real Mexican food. So you don't have to say it in Spanish. Excuse me. It is real Mexican food. Okay. There is no such thing as a chalupa they wouldn't, they outside wouldn't, of Mexico. They wouldn't request uh, that you run for the border if it wasn't authentic. Mm-hmm. Hmm. This See? is true. It's a good point. These hey, are horrible the way, points. A lot cheaper than the $60 taco. Not worth it. So the big news of the day is I don't have to worry about the E. coli scare anymore. That's not really the big news. The big news of the, the day. The big news is the State of the Union. And my being free of the E. coli scare. Yeah. I've been under a weight these last few weeks. You've had to eat something other than your typical salad. No, I've been eating the salad. That's the thing. You I've been, thought you were going to be infected. It, it has been Russian roulette with every lunch. Okay, well, just mm. l- let me tell you this. Jeff and I have a goal. Uh-huh. That you should still be afraid that you could catch E. coli. Nah, not a, I, if you rinse it off, you're fine. Uh, well, huh. Jeff and I have been. We've got some plans. We're conspiring. Really, you're going to contaminate my food? No, I wasn't going to say that. Okay, maybe your beverage sounds like a threat. Maybe the some but treat we're going to get you. On the other hand, how bad is E. coli? You know what? You don't want to find out. Well, bad. <laughs> it's bad. It kills people. Yeah. Okay. I guess you got me there. Yeah. Well, actually, our, our health evangelist is here, and he's going to help us understand, because uh, we hear about cleanses, you hear about a detox. Are they really that healthy for you? Don't you need some of your some of the stuff in your gut? Don't you need it to remain where it is to, to keep you healthy and strong? We'll be talking about it straight ahead. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you live longer. I'm ready for a miracle, and who better to help us with that than our very own Dr. Ron Hager. Dr. Ron is our health evangelist and an associate professor of exercise sciences in the College of Life Sciences right here at Brigham Young University. And uh, we're honored to have you back, Dr. Ron. How you doing? It's been a while. It's good to be back. No, you've just been out gallivanting, partying. Yeah, yeah, and I guess there were some other things going on too. Yeah, you were doing that. You were doing other stuff as well. <laughs> sure. Also, probably being a professor along the the whole time. Right? Trying, trying to get a new semester going. So today we've thrown you a curveball because a little bit we we have all these people that are doing cleanses and detoxing. They're on an all juice cleanse, or I mean, they're doing whatever they can supposedly to remove all of these toxins from their body. Yeah. And we, you hear about them every week. There's a new one. I'm always a little bit intrigued by the idea that, you know, I mean, when you when you look at your your own body, yeah, and it, and if you took just even a little bit of time to do some research on, say, something like the liver, or the kidneys, yeah, you know, or something like that, um, or the immune system, you know, in your body, you know, you 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 would learn that there's uh, just an unbelievable amount of complexity and information yeah. and even understanding. Yeah. You know, and probably some things obviously that aren't known, you know, that have yet to be discovered. But in other words, it's it's a pretty uh intricate yeah. and efficient uh, and remarkable system. But system, it's a system. Right. Right. So if we if we go try to work our liver, <laughs> yeah. you're still messing with the whole system. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not saying 
that there aren't things that can cause you problems. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about that, you know, almost every time I'm here. Right. You know, that our choices, our environment, the things we do or don't do, um, you know, can affect our health. You bet. Uh, because our choices affect our systems. But then we, I guess, then our goal is like, so, okay, so we've been eating junk all our lives. So now what we need is a flush. A flush. and So that you can get it all out. Yeah. And then you can go back to doing what you were doing. Yeah. I guess that's the idea is that, you know, if you just take these, you know, 10 pills, one a day, it'll detox you. Or if you just drink this one juice yeah. and it makes you violently ill and empties you out, then all of a sudden, apparently, all the junk is out. Right. Well, we, we kind of buy into these things because through advertising, marketing, media, and a lot of hype – we're convinced that something makes sense. Sure. You know, and, and often, because it works with the plumbing and, at and your of, house. And oftentimes it's related to things like spring cleaning or <laughs> yeah. changing the oil in your car or uh, putting new you know, batteries or, in your. Or, or getting a transmission flush. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, look at all the sludge that came out. Yeah. The same thing can happen with your transmission in yeah. your body. You hundreds know? and hundreds of pounds of sludge. Yeah. In your innards. Yeah, and so that, that's kind of some of the hype that's surrounding it. And, and unfortunately, a lot of people buy in. Yeah, totally. And now, you know, detox actually has a legitimate and respectable uh, use in, in medicine if a person overdoses on certain drugs yeah. or alcohol. Or is addicted to drugs. Or, or takes or, or, you know, either, you know, inadvertently takes some kind of poison. Yeah. Then then detox, you know, by, real. by definition is real. It's, it's about helping this person live or survive. Mm-hmm. So there are, you know, detox is a, a real word, but it's kind of been turned into, you know, along with cleansing and that kind of thing, it's kind of been turned into this sort of a buzzword. Yeah. And, and now you can, you know, instead of actually going to a hospital or something like that or getting some kind of actual medical procedure... Uh, you know, you can go to the local health food store and you can buy a kit, you know, yeah. a detox kit. <laughs> and and usually, like you said, it involves some kind of dietary practice. Not always. Uh, uh, ionic foot baths are another one. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you've heard of those. But, yeah. Uh, they're, 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 they're becoming all the rage. And now they have, you know, they've commercialized it and made it available for home purchase and this kind of thing. You, essentially, you put some salt water in a tub and... Uh, uh, an electrical current is passed through the salt water while your feet are in it, and sounds uh, dangerous. And and the ions, uh, you know, which are, uh, you know, charged in one direction, attract toxins which are charged in another direction, hmm. and it pulls the toxins out through the bottom of your feet. And and that one of the demonstrations that it's working is that the water turns murky and brown, and looks kind of gross and. And the claim is to see, you know, look at all these look disgusting toxins that have been pulled out of your body. And there have actually been uh, some interesting studies, some, some real studies done on this. And there's no evidence that that's what's actually happening. So the coloration of the water happens whether your feet are in it or not. It's because of uh, the breakdown of the electrodes or uh, how the electricity is affecting the water itself. It's oh, interesting. Changes yeah. The color. But I guess that's part of it is we're, I guess we're open, we're, we're, we're gullible and we're not, we're informed enough 
because you know we've had a transmission flush right that we think right. oh yeah i mean or 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 a legitimate detox you know or you've heard about it yeah. you know a person you know yeah went uh, to drug dr- rehab drank some drano or yeah. or or you know took some overdosed on some medication let's just say accidentally mm-hmm. and you know and through a medical procedure you know you you bind those poisons or whatever, and you try and get them out of the body. Yeah, but uh, like my, I remember twenty years ago, people were having enemas to mm-hmm. cleanse their colon, mm-hmm. and um, but I remember my mother-in-law back then saying, "Hold it! I mean, you have, but you have this biome, you have this thing going on yeah, in your body, and sure. the minute you're flushing out." All of this stuff, you're also flushing out good stuff right. that needs to be in your system. Right. Now, that kind of reminds me of people who have told me that they've had experiences, for example, with their car and a transmission flush. Yeah. You know, that what, they get the transmission flushed and it never works the same again. Something's wrong. <laughs> now it's <laughs> it, clogged. And, yeah, it, it, it's, yeah. It's like whatever it was doing was holding it together. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, saying that, you know, tr- taking care of your transmission is a bad right. thing. Obviously, it's a good thing. But but you're absolutely right, uh, Matt. It, our body is designed to to process the things that we take into it. Now, obviously, like I've said many times, you can, you know, by choice or ignorance, you can, you know, take in. Uh, it, it's a new it's a new phrase I'm using. Fake foods. Yeah. I mean, I mean there's, there's there's so many fake things now. I think I think yeah, I've heard that fake. F- yeah, oh, so, it's fake news. I've heard. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's fake yeah. news. There's also fake food, and uh, and and exercise, for example. Uh, I mean that that can actually have some detoxifying effects. Absolutely. It's maybe not as pleasant as sitting for thirty minutes with your foot in a bubbly salt bath. Right. You know, that's nice and warm, yeah. or something like that. Uh, it takes a little more effort than that. Uh, but for example, sweating. Sweating is one way great. that your body helps, you know, I mean, other than regulate temperature and yeah. things, it, it also, uh, you know, ha- ha- can have an effect of, I guess, I almost hate to say it, but detoxifying. Well, okay. So here's – th- so I remember I had my gallbladder out last yeah. year. And yeah. so I got to go have two wonderful scopes done right. and of the upper GI and I was terrified to see – because I, I had this idea that, oh, I probably like the pipes in my house. I have that. Looks like a garbage dumpster like in I there. Like I have a black inner slime on all of my uh, on all of my intestines. And I was terrified to look at it. And then the guy shows me. I mean, I'm 48 years old. The guy shows me my scan and it's beautiful pink. Yeah. Tissue, yeah. clean yeah. as a whistle yeah. by just me having a diet, just by me not eating right. for 18 hours, 20 yeah. hours. It was clean as a whistle all the way through, like yeah. nothing in there. So I'm sitting there thinking, if I'm going to go do a cleanse with juice or whatever, what am I cleansing? I mean, I get – I could have plaque in my arteries, but a juice cleanse <laughs> isn't going to get into my arteries no. Now, there are some pros, possibly. Yeah. You know, I've tried to come up with some. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've listed a few on our outline for today. Uh, you know, a lot of cleanses or detoxes, like you say, involve some kind of uh, usually temporary diet modification. Yeah. That like maybe, you know, taking antioxidants or something like that through through some type of vitamin source or maybe even, you know, eating more fruits and vegetables or a fruit and vegetable juice or something right. like that. So, there, you know, there could be some benefits that, you know, a, a person may, uh, you know, increase their vitamin 
uh, and mineral consumption yep. through some type of a detox program. Uh, but, but you know, these detoxes are promoted as, you know, you can do this in a day or a few days or a week at the most, and, and then you're fine. Um, and I, I just worry sometimes that that displaces the notion that, you know, detoxing in terms of, you know, say what you eat should, shouldn't be something you do every six months or, yeah, every, no. or every year when you do your spring cleaning. It should be more of a lifestyle pattern. Well, you've even brought up it could be, I mean, a fast is a detox. Sure. So and, just a fast every week or and, a fast and, every month. Sure. And fasting has been shown to have some positive health yeah. uh, benefits. Um, even, you know, some of the latest research is indicating that a 12-hour fast every day, which, which – No, that's which, true. Like, which, yeah, which, from dinner to morning. Yeah. You know, that roughly a 12-hour fast actually ha- can have a, a positive effects in improving or preserving mental health, you know, like wow. like, uh, like, like uh, preventing cognitive decline or decreasing risk of Alzheimer's disease, those kinds of things. Yeah. So that's some of the, the latest things. So, so there are, you know, good and bad, but, but in terms of overall, you know, if you just want to say, you know, where are we overall with uh, detoxes or cleanses, I would say that detox diets, for the most part, are, some, are a myth. You know, they're nothing really but hype, and they don't have any real health benefits. And, and that's... You know, and, and you know there is no good evidence to indicate uh, that they do. Um, you know, there there are a lot of ways to get your body clean. Mm-hmm. You know, how about clean living? Yeah, right. Or eating. You know, I talked about fake foods. Maybe we ought to talk a, bit, a little bit about real foods. You know, and more that, fiber. Yeah, sure. And and that's really what it's about. Is uh, you know, if you focus on clean eating, you're you're cutting out those fake foods, which you know could be defined as the highly refined, highly processed. Uh, types of foods, you yeah. know, that are high in fat, sugar, and salt, and uh, you know, and 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 then maybe switch, uh, you know, to eating more like whole foods, fruits and vegetables, whole grains, uh, lean cuts of meat, uh, you know, those kinds of things. I just why not make that your pattern instead right. of saying, you know, every so often or whatever, I you know, I, I have to detox and and. I mean, that's kind of saying, you know, my body must not be doing what it's supposed to be doing. You gave a great example, having your gallbladder removed, getting to see, you know, pictures of your, your upper GI. Um, but clean. Yeah, exactly. It's and, so clean. And, and, it's and, amazing know, how well. And I haven't lived a clean eating life. And, and some of those, you know, those enema procedures and so forth, they make those claims. They say things like, you know, removes all of the stuff that's stuck to the side of your colon. There's nothing in there. But nothing sticks to the side of your colon. <laughs> uh, that's just not I mean, how... I guess short of like other serious disease. Well, right, right. So there are conditions yeah. where actually detoxing could exacerbate a health problem. Oh, yeah. So you kind of have to be careful. Because we have, that. what are they? Bio- we have People are taking probiotics to get the right yeah. stuff in your gut to break down your food. Right. And and there may be some legitimacy to that. I mean, there is actually some good evidence to show that the way we eat, the way we live our lives, we kind of have destroyed, uh, you know, the, the, the gut microbiome. That's right. Yeah. And it may need to actually be, you know, rebuilt, if you want to call it that, or at least reestablished. And so, you know, there may be some valid uses for things like supplements that are probiotic. Uh, but But the idea for me, Matt, is, is, to, is to go beyond thinking that, you know, that 
your body is just subject to wear and tear and it can't help itself. Yeah. So you have to take this external treatment of some kind <laughs> right. to, to make everything right. Uh, you know, there's a big difference between our, our cars and our bodies or our plumbing in our house and our bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, one is a lot more dynamic. Yeah. You know. And, and self cleaning, like if you've ever been to get your uh, a two, like a, a your car maintained, they'll always bring you the filters sure. from your car, yeah. and they'll show you like, look yeah. at that gunk, yeah, yeah, look what, at that. Would you like a new one? And you're like, but the funny thing about our body is, it's not a car. Our body is naturally going to take and clean itself and take care of itself and as it does, long as you're not adding and, so much stuff. And it to does it. a really good job of that. Yeah. Why? Why do, for example? employers do drug tests on employees yeah. through urine samples. Why do they do that? Because your body is so good, such at, a good getting filter. Rid of, at, at getting rid of things that shouldn't be there, like drugs, for example, yeah. or alcohol or whatever it is, that your body can filter that yeah. and eliminate it. Yeah. That, that, to me, is an example of how good your body is at detoxifying. But it goes back to the psychology that I'd rather, I guess, go pay for a detox than go create a habit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And change my pattern and just eat whole and healthy yeah. food. And, you know, I mean, I don't know about the enema procedure. I've never done that. But I have... Take you know, taking the opportunity to do an ionic foot bath. Yeah, how'd that go? It felt really good. I mean, I, I bet it felt great. <laughs> it felt a lot better than, uh, you know, maybe going for a three-mile run. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. A lot easier on your feet for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But and, th- so. and to follow the science, I mean, I live with enough doctors in my house and my family that. They just would laugh at me for doing some of these things. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, medicine's not perfect either. No, it, but it's But nature not. is. And so it's almost yeah. like follow the lead of nature sure. more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's the key right there. And, 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 and but, but to not be closed-minded. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, because there are things, you know, that have been known even anciently you know that could do us a lot of good yeah but but somehow science has displaced them yeah. so uh, you know i i'm not i'm not saying that science is the answer to everything but i'm also encouraging people to be cautious exactly of you know the hype and the quackery uh-huh. well and anti- that, that, like we know there. antioxidants are good for you so learn how to use them in a healthy way over time I yeah. mean, there, there's there's stuff that is healthy that's good, sure. but moderation, sure, and it shouldn't have to cost you a fortune. And if you do really want to use the word detox, maybe maybe try some other kind of detox. I, um, you know, I like the idea of a digital detox. That's great. once in a yeah. while. Okay, yeah. so put the cell phone away. Quit looking at it uh-huh. every second. Uh, stop the social media. Yeah. Uh, quit the binge watching. You of know, the Netflix. Of, of Netflix. Uh, reduce your screen time, you know, there. How about that for a detox? Now, that yeah. that kind of makes sense to me. Oh, yeah, but that's not clogging me up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're so, we really are. We just, we, we kind of want, we want the quick and easy. And again, if, if there's, there might even be a really good principle to some of these cleanses. Sure. But you, you're saying too, Think holistically and think if, – if it's good, if it's a good principle because it's based on the right thing, an antioxidant or whatever, 
then think about how to use it long term over time. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a quick fix. Most right. things in nature aren't quick. Right. They're it, season, they take seasons. Yeah. And if they are, it's usually because somebody's trying to sell you something. Yeah. There's usually a profit margin. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Good stuff. <laughs> well, we, we appreciate you. Dr. Ron Hager's his name, and uh, Saving Our Life is his game. He is <laughs> the master of uh, helping us all live healthier, happier lives. You can find out more um, by looking, just, I guess, Googling Dr. Ron Hager in the uh, uh, College of Exercise Sciences, the uh, College of Life Sciences. He is a professor of exercise sciences there. We will continue the journey. We'll get down to two very, very healthy specimens uh, from BYU Sports Nation. Great stuff straight ahead. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you live longer. back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. It's time to go visit our good brethren down at BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's coming up on their show today. Hello, gentlemen. Snoop Doggy Dog. Man, you got good pipes. <laughs> you got some good pipes down there. What's is going between the pipes uh, tonight uh, or today with uh, Between the Lines hockey? Really? Hold on. He was a goalie with BYU hockey. Not in... In a like practice, it was awesome. Do do we have a hockey team? Absolutely. Yes. Is is it a is it a club? It's a club team. It's an extramural club. Are we very good? We're all right. We're doing we're doing yeah. top twenty in D two this year. Okay, can I just say something? As I have never, I don't want this to sound negative. Um, I have never in my life smelled something more foul. True. True. Than a hockey locker room. Yep. It is the worst. Try putting on goalie hockey pads that oh. have been used for a year. No, that is horrible. That I is, did it. <laughs> did you really? I could not get the stench off of me for a while. <laughs> <laughs> it is the worst smell. And I, again, I've had kids play every sport, but but I would never let them play hockey because I'm not into bacterial infection. Holy cow. Call me old-fashioned. That's not old-fashioned. That's just logical. That's totally logical. Hey, I got a great joke for you. Okay. I, I learned it watching the, um, the Super Bowl coverage. Somebody asked Bill Belichick this question. What did the football coach say to the payphone? Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, they asked him that. Know. And by the way, he laughed. But do you, know, do you guys know what the answer is? No. I want my quarterback. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And Bill Belichick laughed up that joke. <laughs> and then you could tell the guys, like, ran away embarrassed. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, of all the people you ask, you don't ask Bill Belichick. Why that. run away embarrassed? You made him laugh. Yeah, he, he really did. He laughed. He goes, that's yeah. A win. You got a real career. You got a real future there. <laughs> he that's said. a huge win. Yeah, I want my quarterback. It's the, it's the oldest uh, football joke. I think, I think it was written in the early days of football. Oh, yeah. Back when they didn't wear helmets or anything. That is a huge win. Yeah. Making Bill Belichick happy. Do you do you guys think, I mean, it doesn't seem like a lot of people are giving the Eagles much of a shot. I... What do you think? Well, I... Everybody I mean, thinks... look what Jacksonville did against the Patriots. I like, know. I think that the Eagles are a better team than Jacksonville. I think, I think they're they going I think they can win it. More capable playmakers on the outside than Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. So, so are you gonna are you gonna 
you going to throw down a team? You're going to say it's the Eagles? Well, it's, it's just hard to go against Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. And when yeah. you give the Patriots two weeks to prepare, oh yeah, yeah, and it's not the Giants, so they they're 100 percent in this situation. Well, and and especially because. Uh, the Patriots historically and had allegedly have been stealing plays forever. Did you guys see that headline? Oh, I've seen all sorts of headlines. Everybody thinks that the Patriots are just really good at stealing signals. Well, they're good at winning. I can tell you that much. Yeah, I think that's By the key. By any means necessary. They'll do whatever they have to do. Anyway, um, uh, you guys, you're going to do your show in a couple minutes, right? Indeed. What uh, what's what's up for the show? What should we We're be discuss, getting ready Why for? is BYU hoops better this year? What are the contributing factor or factors that have gone into that? Um, and how much better is BYU? And yeah, how much better if they are better? Are they seven better points? We have some hard metrics. <gasps> Do Matt? you now? Good. You're going the to hard the data. facts to back up improvement. And and you're so you're saying they're they they are better. I'm and not saying it. The True data. facts of truth are saying it. Oh, wow. This is exciting. They're better in some things, but not in others. So it depends mm. what you value, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. They, they playing d- better ball on the court. Yeah. Is it equated to a better standing, a better I think their half, tournament chance? Their you know, halftime entertainment's a lot better. It's been better. an argument we've had. Yeah, A.O. and Taylor were awesome. They were great. So I'm going to talk to a guy who's 6'5", 270 pounds, and he's still in high school. Holy cow. Why he chose BYU football. The Brigham's. Tyson Lewis is his name. Now, you've got permission from his parents, I'm assuming. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, <laughs> that's, not, that's not our problem. Uh, what? Yeah. Hey, talk to Tyson that's about the, it. That's the producer's problem. The real question is, it's school hours, so do we have permission <gasps> yeah. from the principal? Oh, that's so <laughs> counselors. true. You guys are interrupting. Where, where's Tyson from? He goes to the Weber High School in Weber County, Utah. The Weber High, yeah. Ogden, and, so who knows? About an hour and a half north of here. Yeah. Wow. You guys are even getting the young ones on now. Mm-hmm. You're trying to pull out a little Fred Warner. Well. Like you guys did when you had Fred on early on in his career. Was yeah. he in school still? No, it was during the summer. Oh, yeah. It was a summer. It was a summer day. deal. Yeah. Well, that's a good show. Anything else? Uh, do you need anything else? Well, we just are you give gonna, me like 84 reasons to watch or are you, listen. Are you going to break into song? Or are you going to? Uh, did that too already. Man. I wish I had. Check. Check. <laughs> More check. I wish I had just a quarter of the talent you two have. Really. I just want my quarter back. Oh, Oh, snap. (laughs) So that's a great joke. If you need a football joke for your show, what did the football coach say to the payphone? I want my quarterback. I want my quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Chili's baby back ribs. Michael's going to be All right. We're going to let you guys go on that note and that perfect harmony. Oh, I'm telling you, these guys have got the pipes. They've got the, they've got the thought. They're, they're brains. I throw stuff at them. They don't even know what I'm talking about, and they can immediately just talk it up. I, I never tell them what I'm going to share with them. They're very pop culture savvy. They're pop culture savvy and they're sports savvy and they're BYU sports savvy. Especially. They better be. I don't throw a lot of BYU stuff at them. I just throw sports in general. And they don't miss a beat. Unlike us. I don't know half as much about just general topics as they do. Ayo and Teo. I didn't know who A.O. and Tao were. Yeah, right? Yeah. 
just had a little stomach bout, uh, a little problem today with his belly. But he's back with us. Thanks, Jeff. Good to have you. Uh, by the way, we were talked last a few, a few minutes ago about detoxing and cleansing. Have you ever done a detox or a cleanse? Oh, yeah. How'd that go for you? Well, I, I, it's very difficult to just eat fruits and vegetables and then to drink that nasty yeah. green horse food drink to cleanse everything out. I, I don't know if it's smart. Again, this is the guy that I've seen inside my belly. I've seen in my gut. I've seen it. And it's clean. Everybody's, I think, is clean. I, Ron had me until he said, uh, maybe we don't binge watch Netflix. It's like, ooh, I'm going to have to stop you right there. Yeah, he was just talking about other detoxes, though. You know, not that binge watching Netflix has anything to do with your belly. Hey, uh, as you like, as we like to do, we, we always want a hero story. And so on Sunday afternoon, Californian surfer Travis Wheeland risked his life to save two teenagers caught in a riptide in South Australia. What happened today was simple and it happened fast, Mr. Wheeland said. I was strolling over the point when I noticed a lot of people on the beach waving their hands above their heads. Some of them seemed to be looking at me. I walked faster toward them. They pleaded with me to help the four people in the water. I asked if there was a surfboard or any flotation device nearby. Someone fetched a red bodyboard. There were two sets uh, of two people in the water. One was a dad and a small child. They were closer to shore and seemed to be in less danger. So I chose to paddle out to the two girls who were farther out, who were in more trouble. When I reached the two panicked girls, one told me she had asthma and was breathing hard. It was clear she needed uh, the bodyboard the most. So uh, she did a great job paddling herself to shore. I pulled the other girl under my arm, assuring her that we'd be okay. And they then eventually were able to get to a place where they could stand. And he's a sa- he's, he's, he saved their lives. Travis Wheeland is our hero of the day. And uh, boy, what does it take just to have that blessing of somebody that knows what to do in the moment? Heroes, folks. We all can be one. You all are one to somebody. So let's make it a goal to lift the world by just being the people we need to be. That's the show. We'll be back again tomorrow. BYU Sports Nation is up next.